intro, go. Okay. Hello yeah. and welcome to Kunoi Quest episode 131. Uh, Dave is away and Gaijin is MIA. So with me this week, uh, my co-host on the podcast that is MIA. That's you, Phil. Oh, hi. Hello. <laughs> Uh, I'm Phil, aka JC Servant, and this is the Monster Hunter slash Backtrack slash Q and A Quest podcast. Oh, jeez! <laughs> totally, totally. And, and also uh, with us this week, hey, it's Matt Mason, Platy M3. Good to be back. Oh, that's that's ancient old new guy. <laughs> that's oh, about I, it. I've been sitting for the last five minutes trying to figure out who in the hell's on this call with me, and now I know. <laughs> ancient it's, new guy. There you go. Ancient new guy. Doesn't that just mean your new hat? You're no longer new hat? Your old hat? Yeah. That's what I'm There's been at least two or three new guys in the past year. I think, I think I've been on for a year now. Yeah, nice. it's September. Yeah, I, I did the Dragon Quest Seven backtrack back in September of last year, so. Nice. Yeah, Wheels is playing Dragon Quest Seven now. Yes, I am. I love that game. Uh, We talked about this last week, right? Or was it the week before? I don't remember. Two weeks ago. (laughs) Yes. Dragon Quest Seven. Yes. Were you drinking vodka at the time? No alcohol. Surprisingly, was involved. I feel like there has to be alcohol to enjoy Final Fantasy Seven, especially when you get to All Trade Zombie. As Phil just said, Final Fantasy VII, there may be some alcohol involved tonight. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it you who tweeted like, "Hey, you're at All Trades Abbey. Who, here's a middle finger." Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, because that's the whole game. It screws you over repeatedly. Yes, and it was uh, Newman from Seinfeld, like my favorite gif. <laughs> No, I actually kind of like that part. I don't know why. I just think it's it just amuses me amuses me greatly. I think in the original PlayStation version, that was one of the proudest moments I had was actually getting through that frickin' dungeon. <laughs> and then like and then it was so rewarding cuz hey, finally jobs. Yay, jobs. Well, the fun the funny part was I had forgot this was happening, so I was sitting there like agonizing over which jobs to pick. <laughs> well, at uh, least it gave you a while to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't decided at all. But... Uh, uh, that game. When are we talking about Monster Hunter? Okay, we'll talk about some Monster Hunter very soon. Um, well, we can talk about what we're playing, and I can't talk about what I'm playing because I can't talk about... Told us we're not okay. I can talk about something. Okay, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. Phil, what are you playing? <laughs> Who me? You. You can talk about the other game you're reviewing. Yeah, totally. I am totally uh, not playing any sort of Monster Hunter related future release game. Uh, instead, I am playing Queen's Wish the Conqueror. Uh, that is a game by uh, Spiderweb Software. And I know. I know. 
I know, right? Everybody knows Spiderweb, don't they? I mean, everybody in the world. This is like the most anticipated release of like 2019. It's Queen Wish the Conqueror, right? Everyone's looking forward to this. Uh, okay, okay. I just, if you go on Steam and you look it up, <laughs> and you look at the screenshots, you're probably just going to close the thing. It <laughs> looks like, seriously, it looks like something from 1993. And it and, and, and honestly, it's not even one of the better games from 1993. <laughs> Let's what, just be... That's what all their games look like. That's no, no, like this, this somehow looks even worse. Mr. Apps, this really? somehow, oh. this somehow, if you compare the screenshots of this with, let's say, Gene Forge or Av- uh, Avalon, Avadon, whatever it's called, um, this one looks even less detailed, looks more generic. Hmm. Um, so that that's a shame because I could tell you so far I'm having a really good time with it. Like if you can get past the. I mean, even Shirley, my wife, she loves playing 2D. She plays Ultima Online. That is literally like the oldest MMO out there. It Look it up sometime. It literally uses 2D graphics for everything. But by far, and it, I mean, it originated back in what, 1997, 96, something like that. But by far, it looks 10 times better than Queen's Wish. With that said, uh, if you can get into the game, you can get past the graphics. If you're one of those people who grew up in the 80s and 90s, this the, the 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 there's a fun there's fun to be had under underneath. I really like the story premise. So you're a prince or a princess who uh, who's been slacking through their teenage years, and the queen has just had enough, and she calls you into her throne room. Uh, you don't even know what's going on, but she's like, "Hey, look, you've been a slacker. I've poured money into training you, brought in the finest tutors, and now I need an ROI on you." So. I'm going to send you to a faraway country that we had basically had a um, agreements with that they would do. They would give us whatever goods, trades, whatever partnerships. We had a partnership with them uh, in contract, in writing. But these countries have since kind of rebelled. And I'm sending you over there to bring them back under control. I'm also going to send you resources and soldiers. But you need to lead all of them and reclaim the lands in the name of our empire. And uh, and next thing you know, you're running this this whole thing for, uh, starting off in one of the fourth uh, a fourth that's in the heart of this big empire of these five countries um, or five provinces, whatever. And uh, and you start off uh, once you reconquer the fort, uh, you will go off and and do these little side quests that will start bringing resources in, so you can upgrade the fort. You'll go and take over other forts. But the question is, as you're doing this, will will you rebot rebuild your your mother's empire, or will maybe you build your own? You know, mm-hmm. you got to make decisions. So, uh, just just throwing out an example, uh, as I was uh, walking through the province, heading over to my next quest, I ran into a band of refugees. They are a bunch of ex-slaves from a country to the south that we had a partnership with. According to the laws of that land, there is a servitude fiefdom system in place. So by law, I should shackle them up and send them back. And that might give me favor and make it easier for me to reestablish political ties with that country for my mother or for myself. Um, But it's the nice guy thing to just let them go because they're fleeing slaves, right? Uh, there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's kind of the gist of it. So you get to make a lot of these RPG decisions, 
And less than an hour later, I ran to another band of guards and they said, hey, have you seen any, any slaves? We've, we've been looking for these guys for days. Have you seen anybody who looks like this? And the game's like, do you want to lie or do you mm. want to, you know, tell the truth? So there's a lot of, uh, you know, RPG um, decisions in there that have an impact, uh, including whether or not you want to kiss your mother's ass or you want to. You you want to do your own thing. So I think that's pretty cool. It's kind of a different premise, you know, for an RPG rather than like you're serving the monarchy and you're just there to stop the bad guys um, or, or, or whatever have you might be, a you know, some RPGs, you might be a prince, but you're pretty much there to save the empire. Queen's wish, at, at least for the first 10 or 12 hours I played is setting up the stage of saying, maybe you don't just want to save the kingdom and do the, you know, make the kingdom stronger. Maybe there's some gray area in here. You want to do your own thing, you know. So that 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 aspect of it, that that potential is pretty cool. On top of that, um, uh, you got this party of characters like you do in any RPG, but a lot of the strength of your characters is tied to how strong your empire is, how strong your fort is. So as you do a lot of these side quests, you'll gather materials that you can use to upgrade your fort, build granaries and blacksmiths and the such which in turn makes your party stronger, makes your empire stronger. It, it's really kind of interesting because I know I play a lot of pen and paper and I played uh, Pathfinder. One of their biggest uh, campaign, pre-written campaigns, is called Kingmaker. It's so popular, in fact, that when they finally got around to making a Pathfinder video game out of the dozens of different adventures they could have chosen from for material, they chose Kingmaker. Because by far, it is the most popular. Who who wouldn't like the idea of, like, you're a hero that becomes a king? Um, and part of Kingmaker is you establish your own kingdom. You manage resources. You listen to the pleas of your people. And and you, you make these rulership-level decisions. Queen's Wish the Conqueror might be kind of a version of that. And for that, it, it definitely warrants some investigation if you can get past the somewhat antiquated graphics because <laughs> <laughs> boy are they Woo combat is 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 turn-based is uh, tactical uh you have four characters with various abilities you gain levels interestingly enough you don't get them from uh combat you get them by clearing hurdles in the story uh and but as you level up you can apply skill points uh you know and the such so it, but between the experience points and the, the, the blacksmiths and the other uh, bonuses you get from leveling up your kingdom, it, it definitely is focusing more on you become stronger when your kingdom becomes stronger, not just because you went out and killed a bunch of goblins. So it's, it's pretty interesting so far. We'll see if it pans out. I'm about 12 hours in. Hmm. There's a lot more to go. And Starbound. Oh, my gosh. Don't start Starbound. Whatever you do. What's Starbound? Just, just don't do it, Mike. Well, don't do it. Well, I don't know what it is, so I guess don't I'm do in it, good ancient, shape. Don't do it, ancient new guy. <laughs> I'm Googling it right now. Just don't do it. Because once you go into the abyss, the black hole that is known as Starbound, you don't come back out. It sucks your soul. Just pulls it right out of you. And you have no time for kids, family, work. It's all gone. So is this Star Fish? It is. It is. Uh, so Starbound, 
And actually, some of the uh, creators of, if you're familiar with Terraria, uh, worked on Starbound, uh, the art style especially might look very familiar with you. But uh, so Starbound is essentially um, a a game kind of like Minecraft. It's one of those exploration slash survival type of games. But instead of being regulated to one planet where you just you know, going through and digging stuff and creating buildings and crafting stations as starbound sends you out into the stars. You've got a ship. Um, early on, you got to at least get the ship up and running. So you'll start off the first five or 10 hours on your planet, building your initial structure, gathering materials from the world around you, um, exploring the planet. There's a big emphasis. Like I have played Minecraft. I play dragon quest builders. I have played, um, I have played Terraria. Uh, there's more of a focus in Starbound than just exploration, uh, uh, you know, of the surface. But get what you need to get and uh, gather some things and get your ship up and running and visit an outpost. Next thing you know, you're off visiting other planets. Uh, but there's, just like uh, Minecraft, there's just a ton of really deep systems. For those of you who are unfamiliar with even Terraria, the, this game is a two is kind of like Minecraft but in two D or Dragon Quest Builders but in two D. Uh, you you start off you start off just chopping wood and dirt around you, and you convert that into let's say a crafting table. With a crafting table, you can turn the wooden stone that you've gathered into more complicated things that allow you to explore further or dig deeper. So you can turn build bigger tables and bigger crafting apparatuses so that you can in turn explore further and it becomes this very nice addictive loop but there's a lot of creativity involved because as you build your buildings or you know you build your farm so you can feed yourself or whatever have you there's no constraints you can do this however you want um just 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 as long as you feed yourself and take care of your basic needs and survive the monsters uh, that are out there. If you play Terraria, I will tell you my impression of playing both of them is that Starbound is less combat centric. There are monsters and the such. Don't get me wrong, but in Terraria, they just want to raid. I mean, for the minute you start Terraria, the freaking zombies, as soon as you build a building, they're banging down on your door that night. They're lining <laughs> up. They're taking a number. They literally have a take a number system so they can bang down your door. And in and, and Starbound, it's a little bit less focused on that, more focused on exploration and building your stuff up. So it's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm immune to that kind of game. I just get bored. It's, ca- it's calling you. Nah, no, you can't get bored. No, it's no totally I'm, te- I'm telling you, I have tried playing Minecraft and many games like this. And Dragon Quest Builders? How do you play Dragon Quest Builders? Well, that one I love, but that's got more. Yeah. That has more structure. I, and Starbound has a similar structure. I should point that out. Uh, it does start you off right away with a quest. And there's always, just like in Dragon Quest Builders, there's always a main quest to help keep you focused. Whether or not you go off the beaten track and you want to do your own thing, you can. But but just like Dragon Quest Builders, there are not only is there a main quest to kind of keep you focused on getting bigger, better, stronger, faster, and explore more of the galaxy, but there are tons of side quests. Mm. That you can get into. Yeah. yeah. Stop unlike, selling me on this game. <laughs> unlike Terraria, I will say like Terraria is just pretty much just there. Um, it's more like Terraria is more like a 2D version of Minecraft, just more combat centric. Starbound is more like Dragon Quest Builders. It is uh, It is just a ton Stop. of fun. <laughs> and the level of depth and creativity in this game just 
just as for example, I'm exploring a planet. I'm looking for cotton because I need cotton to build armor. Don't ask me why. It's just it's a thing. And I'm exploring this new planet and I'm running to the left, to the right, and I'm running and running and running. And and I come upon a a purse, a couple of people that are camping around a campfire, and behind them is an RV. An <laughs> RV. I don't know why, but I have to have it. And just like all these games, anything could be deconstructed and taken. Now, the funny thing with NPC camps is you can raid their treasure chest. Any chest they have, you can raid them. That's not a problem. But as soon as you deconstruct a wall or a door or, you know, an RV, you piss them off. Piss them off too much and they'll all attack you. So generally speaking, you just raid their chest and you leave their buildings and background and everything else alone. But I had to have the RV. I had to have it. So I deconstructed it and they all threatened me and they said stealing isn't right. And they threw some Bible verses at me and stuff, but I didn't care because I had an RV. <laughs> and now <laughs> and now it's a part of my town back at my home planet. So it's totally fine. It's totally good. But you can even get your you got your you start off with your own spaceship. You can eventually acquire your own star bases. That you can correct, you can build up, make even bigger. You can craft stuff inside. You can craft stuff for your star bases. You get your own mech. You get your. It, it's just insane. You, you can build up your own bases. You get your own crew. Get your own townspeople for your base. It, it, there, there's no end to this black hole. Just don't do it. That's my advice. Because once you start starbound, you don't come back out. Yeah, that's my wife. She says nope. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. Well, good to know. I've put about 150, no, maybe not that many, but definitely over 120 hours into Dragon Quest Builders 1 and 2 just this summer. Oh, my yeah. God. Was not, so, yeah, I beat both of them since June 1st, so that that's enough building for this year. <laughs> well, if you want some more building, Starbound's got it for you. Just say goodbye to your family. <laughs> I will say because it's, it, uh, you know, Dragon Quest Builders is, is super awesome. I'd recommend to any, everybody. But Star, uh, but Dragon Quest Builders is by necessity somewhat limited because it's a 3D polygonal isometric game, right? There's there's mm. there's only so big those islands can get, and there's a lot of stuff that, as you know, are is preset in the game. Whereas you know, Starbound very much like Minecraft or Terraria is procedurally generated and so there's a ton of infinite combinations there and it can be really really huge because it's 2d uh and and my wife and i we've we've said we will not read spoilers we just want to explore this and we just we're like 20 hours in and we're just like oh my gosh did you see this i never did this like, oh my god this is so cute or this is so awesome <laughs> like <laughs> because they're just all over the place at random places this is insane um yeah well, Dragon Quest Builders 2 does have, have some procedurally generated islands this time. Some. Yeah, There's yeah. At least oh no. 6 or 8, I think. I Two? countered. I can't recommend Dragon Quest Builders and Dragon Quest Builders 2, you know, highly enough, especially 2. But yeah, I would suggest if somebody play 1 first, it, you know, and then move to 2 because 2 is so much better, just so much bigger, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, you can't I would not recommend going backwards in that series. No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. But uh but then maybe after you're done with 2, if you're one of those people who's like, "Man, that was super awesome, but I just needed some more." <laughs> then, 
<laughs> if you're that level of of OCD, <laughs> oh. then maybe look at uh, Starbound. Okay, I'll put that on the if I ever get the building itch list. Mm-hmm. I will put that on my list after I eventually finish Dragon Quest Builders one and two. <laughs> Uh, damn. Or I will just go buy it right now. I don't know. Just do it. It's just no. It's just fifteen dollars, Mike. I mean, I mean that's like what two cups of coffee at Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's (sighs) nothing. That's nothing. Like a flight of beer. I I will say like normally I wait for games to go on sale, um, but when Shirley said, "I yeah, I just want to buy this game," um, I looked. I'm like. Oh, fifteen dollars for a Terraria. Yeah, at the time I was thinking to myself, Terraria clone, but it's got good reviews. Sure, why the hell not? It is totally worth fifteen dollars and then some. It is. It, it, you know what? I, I just I've got more enjoyment out of that game than I have of most sixty dollars games I paid for. <laughs> just insane. Insane. Excellent. Do you ever? Have you ever? I remember a while ago you were doing Graveyard Keeper for a bit. Did you ever get too far into that? Yeah, you know, we, we got... That's a great question. Uh, Graveyard Keeper is a really fun game. And it's kind of along the same vein and something that you kind of craft. You explore a bit, then you craft some more, then you explore a bit, you craft some more. But, yeah, it kind of got... There There was two problems with it and the reason why we kind of haven't really returned to it. One is it's a little... It's a little too complicated for its own good. Um, all these crafting games are. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> all of these games are. But it was like they went out of their way to make this game overly complicated. I mean, there's just a total lack of tool tips and key areas and the such. And you have to use the wiki a lot. The second and probably the more condemning thing is it felt like there was a lot of grinding. The idea is that the zombies are supposed to help you out. You can give the zombies tasks to help you out with a lot of the grinding. But... Even with the zombies helping, it just felt a little... Between that and the overcomplication, it just was something that we want to return to. But we want to return to it when we have more brain power and we're retired from our jobs. Because <laughs> it started feeling like... It started feeling like a job after a while. Whereas Starbound... And, and, and don't ask me why, because there's a lot of similar elements. But Starbound just keeps compelling us to move forward. Um, I, I can't say that I put more time into Starbound yet than Graveyard Keeper. So... Ask me again in a few weeks whether I like it more. Uh, but right now, it's it's pretty compelling. I don't know if you can hear Shirley. Can you hear Shirley? Actually, I can. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. I didn't know how good the mic was. <laughs> but uh, she's a good six feet away from me. So, yeah, you kind of heard her. I think I think that is one of the frustrating things about the game. With any of these games, like Minecraft and stuff, there's a certain level of you have to look stuff on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember when Minecraft first came out and I jumped into like the demo or something. I, I played it for two hours and I was done with it. Because even to create the simplest things, you had to look stuff on Wikipedia because you had to line up the materials on a, on a three by three grid. And, and without some, then something to help you out, it was all guesswork, unless you used Wikipedia um, or whatever wiki it was out there for Minecraft at the time. And I don't like playing a game where everything I have to look up on a wiki. Uh, Graveyard Keeper kind of feels like that. It just uh, it, there's just too much of it that's opaque. 
mm-hmm. uh, that needs to be made uh, clearer. It's a little too. It's. It feels like it will. From a design perspective, it feels like it's five or six years in the past. Whoa. Because because even Minecraft nowadays, the modern versions of Minecraft have um, whatever it's called a book or something that tells you exactly how to make what you're want to make. You still got to look a lot of stuff up in Wikipedia here and there, but the basics are all there for you. And so so it is with Starbound. Oh, that was something good that they added to Dragon Quest Builders 2 this time. Mm-hmm. On the Switch, you could hit the plus button, and there was a Builderpedia. And anything that you'd done anywhere in the game, it specifically was like, oh, you want to make this? Well, put in two pots, one towel rack, two sources of light, and boom. Nice. And that was a very good, quick reference. Mm. And of course, you know, for stuff that I wanted to make that no one had ever told me about, I could go online and do whatever but i remember last year last summer i played through stardew valley and put like 70 80 hours into it and you know good old google tracking all my stardew valley searches i kept seeing an ad for you know stardew valley in a graveyard and i think graveyard keeper last summer was in early access or something or there was a paid beta through steam and all of the early reviews it sounded exactly what you had said phil so it looks like they didn't quite take a lot of the early comments to heart about yeah, the I, and the stuff. I will say, kind of one of the disappointing. I love Graveyard Keeper, but it seems like they got so far with it, and then they just stopped mm-hmm. um, when they really That's... needed to give it some more TLC, um, which is a shame. Like they 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 did they went on to another project. I forget what it was, but they they've kind of moved on. Yeah, something like that. Shirley's talking about another, but they moved on to another game, which is a shame because there was a Graveyard Keeper had so much promise. Had they just put some more spit and polish into it, it could have really been the next Stardew Valley, really. Yeah, and I see it's out on Switch now. I think in June it came out in Switch, but I think I'll give that a pass. Now that I know that Rune Factory 4 and 5 will be coming out, those will be mm. my. Oh, yeah. Oh. I would Rune say Rune Factory is one of my top three series ever. Room Factory is an awesome series between Room Factory and Terraria. If you haven't played that, that's super awesome. And Starbound. I mean, there's a Dragon Quest Builders too. So many good of good of these games. I just can't imagine going. As much as I like Graveyard Keeper, it, it's just got too much competition now in this field to go back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though it was like yeah, fifteen dollars on Switch, and I think I saw it down to ten at a sale, which for switch i'm kind of surprised but uh yeah i'm glad to hear that uh my not buying it has been a good choice if you're limited to switch then your options are obviously a little bit more limited but you still have minecraft you still have terraria unfortunately a double or triple the price of the pc but it's there Uh, yeah um (laughs) you have dragon quest builders 2 which runs a little bit slower uh, takes a lot longer to load than, let's say, the PlayStation Four, or especially the PC. Uh, I don't know the PC, but you could do a flash drive. But, um, but, 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 with that being said, if that's all you have is a Switch. I have a friend who's playing Dragon Quest Builders Two on Switch, and he's having a blast with it. Well, why would you go and play Graveyard Keeper? Um, no, I'm sorry, guys. You you got to do better in this day. And it, it's a great theme. It's a great premise. There's a lot there, but they needed to polish it, and they just kind of stopped short at the finish line. Mm-mm. What a shame. Damn. 
Well, speaking of indie games, I played the recently released port of Risk of Rain 2 on PS4. Ooh, tell me about it. I've been kind of interested in that one. Uh, did you play the original? No, but I've been, uh, since this one has come out, I watched a lot of reviews and I'm like, huh, I, I kind of like roguelikes and procedural generation, things like that. This might be something I'm interested in, but it is, you know, in this genre, it has to be really, really well, you know, balanced procedural generation and such when, when done wrong, it, it falls apart. So, so tell me what your impression is. Uh, well, I played it, um, back in the, I guess it's beta back when it first came out on steam and uh, i want to say it was a little too hard but uh i had a lot of fun with it uh on pc and it seems like they've done a really good job porting it to ps4 i didn't see any there's no performance issues no crashes uh played with somebody online for like over two hours, which the original game had terrible net code and uh, you'd never be able to do that. So that was great to see. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good port. Uh, as far as the gameplay, um, you've played, have you played Binding of Isaac? I have not. I have. Yeah, or, I have. Or like I have. Enter the Gungeon. Oh, yeah, totally. So, so think that sort of game where you're going along and collecting items as you go along and which power you up, except in this case, you it's basically a 3D action game. <coughs> so you can run around, you can jump. Um, the levels are pretty huge and in every level you have to try and find uh, a teleporter to bring you to the next level. And as the game goes along, the difficulty slowly increases. And this is not like just for each level as like your whole run goes, the longer your run takes, the higher the difficulty increases. Um, I think there's some cap, but uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and this is in this is in, in addition to like uh, it has like an actual difficulty setting you pick before you start each run, and there's multiple characters you can unlock with like different attacks and skills, um, but some of the items you unlock along the way are like uh, one could be oh there's a chance while you're attacking uh, randomly like a missile will spawn and attack enemies or. Uh, another what I got yesterday was an activated item that literally gave my character wings that I could use every now and then to fly. Um, there's all kinds of weird stuff like that, like one that gives you a chance to cause enemies to bleed um, on a hit. And yeah, it's it's a really cool, uh, really challenging roguelike. And if uh, you like that sort of game, then uh, it will be right up right up your alley uh but yeah it's def we played on easy last night and despite lots of grinding for good items we crashed and burned so yeah <laughs> definitely a hard game but it's very good and it's out on p it's pretty much everything ps4 xbox and switch so 
Yeah, highly highly recommended to people, especially anyone that liked the original game, as it's essentially that in 3D. So it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, other than that, and playing the expansion to a game that I can't talk about, uh, s still continuing on in Dragon Quest Seven. Uh, grinding through the dungeon under All Trades Abbey. <laughs> I just beat, uh, what the heck are their names? The tiger guy and the elephant guy. I forget. Uh, just, it's been too long. Yeah, just beat them, so I'm nearing the end of the scenario, fi finally. But yeah, I'm uh, having a lot of fun with the game, and I have kind of stopped playing the Dragon Quest Eleven demo for a bit, just because I don't want to finish it, like, this far out from like the release of the full game, but I will definitely get back into that soon. Oh, I did that both with the uh, Radiant Historic Horia Perfect Chronology demo yeah. and the, with the Monster Hunter Stories demo. Both of those I put in five, six hours or something like that, and then it was like, okay, so it's out in 28 days. <laughs> Hope you remember where you were. Oh. Yeah, I was lucky with the, the Monster Hunter Stories demo because I had to be talked in to actually play that game for some stupid reason. Uh, but yeah, so then I just fired up the demo first and before playing and was able to jump right into the full game. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now that was one I'm kind of lucky I went back to. Radiant Historia, I didn't. It is still shrink-wrapped in the box in my dresser. So, one day. It's a, <laughs> it's a really good game. It, I, I mean, I love the five hours. I think I did five hours and two nights, and then... Yeah. What? It wait, just, wait, what's a real? What's a really good game? Radiant Historia? Oh, yeah, that's a really good game. <laughs> We're thinking of something else? Yeah, Dragon Quest Seven. Yeah, that's a really oh. good game. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. okay. No, it's not. So, 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 for those of you who don't listen to Backtrack, I have played pretty much every Dragon Quest. Um, I, I, and recently, and, and some of those are new to me because I didn't play one, two, and three. I had played four back in the day, but I think just about every other one I had tried, I had never played before. So I got up to through five and I really enjoyed them. And then I got to six. We don't talk about six. Oh, we don't talk about Come six. Come on, it's not that bad, Phil. No, it's pretty damn bad. And then I went to seven. And seven, it's so freaking slow and so big and open. And it just seems to go nowhere. It's like All Trades Obby. It's the road that leads to nowhere. In fact, I think All Trades Obby is a really, really great analogy for the entire game. Okay, <laughs> so... So for those of you who don't know, I'll trade Zabi in any game. And I think that started off with Dragon Quest three. I think is the first time I, I ran into this where you can mm -hmm. change your classes. I'll trade Zabi is the place where you can trade where if you can trade it, if you can change your class in Dragon Quest game, that's going to be a place to do it. And uh, and so I knew one of the big selling points of Dragon Quest seven was you can change your classes you can even do the shepherd class and the merchant class all these weird classes just sounds awesome and exciting you just can't wait to get to it problem is a dragon quest 7 and this is with the ds version that's supposedly a lot faster than the original version you can't 
you, you don't even get to alterate zombie until like 30 or 40 hours into the game. Well, it's not like you're doing nothing before then, Phil. You're doing a whole bunch of boring story stuff, and you just want to get to alterate. You want to play with the classes, especially since you're getting like, I forget what they're called, but let's just say they're called job points. And, and you know they're kind of going to waste because you don't have any jobs. So you get to I'll Trade Zabby. I'm going to totally spoil this because that's what we do. You get to I'll Trade Zabby and you talk to the guy. You're like, finally, I'm going to get classes. It's been 30 hours. And he's like, eh And he hits the switch. And next thing you know, you've fallen into his trap, which which sends you to a faraway town where you got to go through an entire new set of quests. This is not like just a quick doohickey. <laughs> this is like you got to go through several dungeons and and numerous quests before you can get back to the guy who went eh and kick his ass. I mean, it's totally, it's another five to ten hours after you've been already struggling for 30 or 40 hours going, man, I want to change your class. I mean, there's 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 most RPGs don't even last 30 to 40 hours, but Dragon <laughs> Quest holds on to its main selling point for 30 to 40 hours before you can even start playing with it. And then it goes, eh <laughs> it gives you a big middle finger, drops you into a pit. And you're like, mother fudge. It goes like, I had to go through there five hours of grinding and quest and dungeons and shit. And I and I'm still and and these dungeons are infested with monsters and I'm just banging my head against the wall because I'm like all the job points I'm wasting or the yeah. career XP and stuff. Well, you forgot an important point uh, that it also steals all your existing abilities when they dump you in the dungeon. Yes, oh. you lose everything. You're back to you're back to Cypress Stick basically and a oh jeez, I forgot about that. Why did you bring that up? <laughs> Who in the hell thinks this is a good game? They're smoking bot. <laughs> so, so I did. I did make it through all trades. I'll be. I did get my classes. I did work through some class changes and such, which is which is a little, which is somewhat fun. I, I you know, the main draw of Dragon Quest games are the the towns you go through on your way to the main quest. Right, that's always been the draw, even with like Dragon Quest three and four. It's episodic, um, yes. It's episodic, yes. right. I, I I just felt like with Dragon Quest Seven, <laughs> they were smoking the wacky tobacco when they were writing some of those. <laughs> you know, we all know that one of the reasons why Star Trek is super awesome are those super convoluted time warp things where the Enterprise goes to the past in an alternate universe that completely loses the main audience. <laughs> 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 that's i remember enterprise the last the last star trek series the i mean from the old whatever the old regime not talking about the newer ones but i remember enterprise like the first season uh had this you know so the idea was that the enterprise is from the the, the we're talking about the first original ship called enterprise the first starship that's a super cool premise but then like halfway through the season they're like oh uh, there's some Federation officer from the future. He's from the 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 whatever the the the, uh, the Secret Service of the future from hundreds of years in the future, and he needs to talk to this this really old back in the past Enterprise because we got to fix the past because there's some other time warp guys who are trying to change the past and we got to stop them. 
And you just keep going. And I'm like, you've lost me. You, you've lost me. <laughs> it's I'm it's a simple, Star- Phil. It's time travel. It's simple. I'm yeah. a Star Trek You just fanatic. have to accept it. I'm a Star Trek fanatic. Listen. And you've lost listen, me. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about some simple time travel since it's since a remastered version is coming out tomorrow, let's talk about Final Fantasy VIII. That's Dragon Quest Seven. Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> no, Final Fantasy VIII. Let's talk about. Let's talk about time compression. Because of its time warp, like it does these little side town stories, but it, it's like, okay, now this town you're going to, you need to remember from 20 hours ago before Altrade's Abbey what happened, so you can remember what happened to this, so you can kind of connect the dots to what's happening in this town in the present or the future. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I've been drinking too much. No, sorry. <laughs> not happening. So Dragon uh, Quest Seven, not a drinking game. Not a drinking game. Totally, totally not a drinking game. All right, Final Fantasy VIII. Awesome game. Do Time it. Time compression. Time compression. All right, I'm going to jump right into some of the actual questions yeah, before we yes, have to end the yeah. show. <laughs> Let's see. Get right uh, ahead. First question is from someone. Let me see if I can pronounce this name. Platinum three. Is that correct? Well, <laughs> it, it might have the long e sound, like platinum three. Uh, I'll just uh, throw that out there. Platy three. The M is silent. Just because <laughs> Phil's on doesn't mean we have to pronounce <laughs> things like Phil. <laughs> but why not? It's true. It's the. Uh, Phil Memorial uh, all right. episode. So oh, he's is... not dead yet. Oh, Phil, you're still there, right? Oh, you know what? This we can't answer this. We have to save this totally. for Dave. He will kill us if we answer this question. I, I was going to say when I wrote that, I was not really. I hadn't listened to the episode yet, yeah. and didn't realize Dave wouldn't be here. So yeah. yes, that's a good one for Dave. Yes. Uh, so we will briefly talk about the fact that Yakuza Seven is going to be somewhat turn-based, which is weird. And uh, uh, unexpected. Looks just like Persona 5 if you listen to everybody on Twitter. <laughs> uh, see, the anime man in the Twitch chat has, says Pladium 3. I like that. Thank you. What can I do for you? Uh, okay. <laughs> to me, it looks like uh, uh, Yakuza with turn based I mean, it, it seems like why not? Why yeah. not try it? I mean, I'm totally can cool with it. I just it's very, very unexpected. I mean, I, I I'll be honest. I've never even played a Yakuza game, so I don't know how big the fan base is. Is this a game like yeah. you know Persona that's selling millions and millions, or is this something that's selling half a million in Japan every time? Uh, I'm really not sure. I know it's been on the rise in um, the U.S. at least, but I, I'm not really sure of its popularity in Japan. Let's ask Mr. Baker. Yes, did we start early? Yes, I wasn't sure when you were going to be on, so we kind of just started. Uh, sorry, yeah, my school year just started, so I actually had two classes just now. Oh, no worries. Yeah. So what was the question we're talking about here? Um, we were trying to figure out the popular, the current popularity of Yakuza in Japan. Uh, hard to say, but, um, Justice had a lot of advertising for it at the store. 
Interesting. Yeah, um, and in general, um, um, the Ryu Gagatoku series has ha- over here has had some very, some fairly high um, profile voice acting, um, some professional talent, um, some of whom actually had like characters modeled after them, and visually, and um, yeah, it's it's one of those series that's fairly well known. Hmm. Um, among the crowd that plays the video games like that, but I so, don't know how I don't know how mainstream it's become. I was I was just wondering, like, what are there enough fans there to be super upset if they go? Obviously, they are going the turn-based route for at least one game. Um, no, because the fan base is hap- would be happy with the fact that the presentation and the plot are still very much the same. We're not talking Dragon Quest fans here. I was going to say, are, are we talking like <laughs> initial Dragon Quest Nine reaction or no? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I can't think of anything in Japan that was anything like the Dragon Quest Nine reaction. You'd have to go back to American reactions to Spore or No Man's Sky to really get that level of. Oh my god! Um, I'm trying to think of a not insulting way of describing this reaction. <laughs> because well, I, seriously the only real word that only real adjective that really describes it is butthurt <laughs> <laughs> and not not just for the potential for um um or ju- not because of the possibility that it might have been a action adventure or action rpg but just for the fairy in dragon quest 9 the number of fans Stella. who were so against that fairy. Stella. Yeah, I mean, not even, I mean, obviously not the majority of fans because that game still sold like hotcakes. Uh-huh. Um, but just the very vocal minority who hated the idea of a, like, pseudo Ganguro gal character as your, um, like, stand-in assistant for the main character. <laughs> First, I thought she was hilarious, but... Oh, well. I, I had no problem with her. I thought she was pretty good. I played through the game two and a half times or so. Yeah. I mean, she's the complete opposite of Yangus in every single possible <laughs> way. But she plays a very similar role without actually fighting. So... Well, she was, she was the trode in the menu. Yeah, I mean, eight. she was similar to Trode as well, but I would say she's a lot closer to Yangus for the way she helped it move the plot at times and helped mm-hmm. make sure that things were explained. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah when, you, when your main character is not talking, somebody's got to get the ball rolling. Yeah. Okay, so th- this is not something that they will probably, oh my gosh, the fan reaction's horrible. Let's undo this. No. I, but, no, but but all that matters is how I feel. And how do you I, feel, Phil? <laughs> I totally, I totally got to protest this on principle. Like I played some Yakuza games before, and personally, I don't have a strong emotional reaction to this. But since I have opposed uh, certain other franchises, totally changing the way the things that they do and calling it the same series, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like to not be hypocritical and be consistent. I got to protest this. 
Is it really so different because it's still the same kind of characters, same setting, same in mooks that they're fighting, and if I remember right, the point was made that even in the middle of this turn-based battle, there are still char- there's still NPCs moving around in the city in real so, time. Did so, I really uh, read possibly that you get by a bus? Possibly more mooks coming in to totally, the battle because totally, they just happen to walk by and see that their friends are fighting. Totally, totally nerd fighting here. Hashtag first world problems. I was <laughs> one of those people who was pissed that Final Fantasy... Yo, 10, which was an MMO, and whatever the other one, 14, whatever is MMO, was part of the proper name series. Because I'm like, wait, Final Fantasy Tactics, let's call Final Fantasy Tactics. It was an offshoot because it was a tactical game. It was a completely different genre. So we did an offshoot. But then we do an MMO, and we do, we, we, we say it's canon. We, we say it's part of the main series. Well, which I mean, is that's their prerogative. viable because, I mean, that's a much more basic alteration to the gameplay when you're changing a single-player experience into a massive multiplayer one, but that's not what they're doing with this new Yakuza game. They're just yeah. finding a different way of interfacing the combat. Yeah, and I don't... The, I mean, the actual flow of the game is not going to be any different. And then and then I kind of, like... I started getting weary of Final Fantasy XII, especially thirteen, where the combat system was more like... What's Final Fantasy XIII's combat system? More strategy? I, I don't even know what the hell it is. It, it is it is um, very considered application of the L1 button. <laughs> <laughs> because there is no other button in the game that is more important than the one that lets you switch paradigms at the drop of a hat. Right. So, I mean, right. granted, I'm, pl- I'm replaying Super Robot Wars um, Endless Frontier Exceed right now, which is all about the very practical application of the A button and maybe a few others if you want to set other stuff off. But that one's still better because it's not continuously on fast forward for the battle. Um, Yeah. Again, I think I need to point out, it's not like I've actually played those games and feel like they're completely horrible. (laughs) It's because I simply object. You've changing what I'm used You've got to. your principles. I Phil, get it. I got principles. Phil, I think you have either not had too much alcohol or not enough. I'm not entirely clear at this point. It's he's not in the well, sweet spot right now. <laughs> too much because he's obviously having some issues. Not enough because he's still talking. <laughs> it's all about Sorry, principles. Phil. Sorry. I just he's came up. He's on the slope of the bell curve. I came yeah. up a night of arguing people on Discord about how Bottergate suck because it took the <laughs> turn-based Dungeon Dragons formula of like the gold box games and stuff and made it more of a real-time pause and play. Yeah. Totally, yeah, just horrible, horrible. Yeah. So Phil's Phil's already in the nerd changing gameplay element argument yeah. set. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But, I mean, okay. just from what I've seen, I would say that the new Yakuza's changes are more akin to what they did with the um, updated version of Final Fantasy XII, where they made it possible to actually do more of a turn-based sort of experience, even with the mm. way it was normally set up. Sounds good to me. So, um, yeah. But, but again, the people who are playing Yakuza are doing it because they want... A not necessarily realistic, but kind of fun crime drama playing out with people punching each other. <laughs> and so there is nothing in the formula that has been changed. 
for this. I mean, Yakuza 5's dance battles were more of a change to formula than this is. <laughs> and those were hilarious, and they were only for one character, but still, they were they were a massive change of pace for the series. Was there one main character for Yakuza 1 through 6? Um, kind of, sort of, but 5 was actually split narrative with 5 different characters' names. Okay. And one of them was Kiryu's adopted daughter, who was um, trying to pursue a pop star career in Osaka. So all of her fights were actually beat rhythm dance battles. <laughs> Everybody else had more or less the same kind of combat, but hers were fun and weird and different. That that would be different. Yes. So I mean, if they did, if they did a Yakuza game that was nothing but uh, pretty boy band members doing dance-offs, then yes, I would expect some fan reaction there. <laughs> but it's still, it's still overly muscled, manly men exchanging punches in the middle of the street. So okay, they so get a the pass. premise. Yeah, premise is still there. Yes. So, I mean, it's not like Dragon Quest where the actual combat system is so hard-coded into the series' DNA that you can't define a Dragon Quest game without it. That's why they have so many spin-offs. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's why... I mean... But, Phil, you're right, I agree. Final Fantasy Tactics should have been a mainline Final Fantasy game. No, oh, it's it's just yeah. it's just funny. It was just something I did a side argument with Mr. Cunningham about back in the day. It's totally, you know, it's just nerd shit. I, I yeah, you know, it's it's just funny because we got the discussion of whether or not Final Fantasy, what was it, eleven or whatever those online was, whether or not it was a main entry. Um, so it, yeah. it, it's just it's just funny stuff. I personally, I I, I like Yakuza. And I agree with you. Like in principle, I'm just like, you know, the the the, the draw for me of the series is the story, and the combat is fun, whether it's turn based or whatever. It's not really the main point, right? Yeah, um, so I, I, I I understand you're, you're doing drunken devil's advocate. Yeah, so. yeah totally. <laughs> go, go ahead, have, totally. have another martini or something. Go ahead. Have an I'm evil telling you, martini. This sake is really good. Sake is always showed you. Okay, so do we have another question? We do. This is from Crawl. If you could only have one gaming system, excluding PC, no PC. Phil, I'm looking at you. Not an option. What would it be? For the sake of delivery, let's exclude virtual consoles, though physical media backwards compatibility is allow, allowed. Do you opt for the sure thing in the 3DS DS library, the Xbox family, or gamble on the future and um, umpteen remasters and re-releases with something like the Switch? Honestly, I have played almost everything I'm wanting to play on the DS. There are a few series that I have completely not touched, and I will still consider them. However, I'd probably with this one, I would go with the Switch just because I know there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out on it, and several series that I like are continuing on it. So, I agree with you. I would go with the Switch. I think uh, it's only a matter of time before we start getting those 3DS and DS titles going yeah. to the Switch. Like Yokai Watch Four, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's a series. 
I'm not sure if how much that would qualify as virtual console, but it's still something that should be considered. You know, yeah. well, the remasters will be definitely. The the only thing I caution people is if you're waiting on something to come out on the Switch, uh, you haven't picked up a 3DS or picked up a particular 3DS games because of it. Keep in mind that some of those games may never come out because some of these companies. My friend and I were just having a discussion on this. Um, my friend, we were talking about how EA made a statement that it's not interested in the Switch, and it's just like, well, yeah, they're 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 not because they're too busy focused on really AAA big big money making titles, right? There's an opportunity cost if they were to focus on smaller titles from the Switch. So I, I don't know if we're going to get some of those games on the Switch uh, on the Switch that are on the 3DS. Is my point? Yeah. You mean I can't play Madden 2011 anymore? Okay, no one cares about that. <laughs> but if you want Bravely Default, uh, yeah. you might want to grab no. that bad boy, because I don't know if Square Enix is going to take the opportunity cost to bring it to Switch or not. No, I'm, I mean, seriously, all, most of the games I really wanted to play on 3DS, I've already played. So that's, yeah. Also, you I'm don't, not waiting you don't, for anything. You do not want Bravely Default. So. I totally played Dragon Quest Seven on my 3DS, and I'm done. I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> the entire... Well, are, are we allowed to swear in this podcast? Is that a thing? Uh, it has never stopped me before. <laughs> okay, uh, Phil, I, you crossed I, that line I, about an hour ago. I yeah. told, I threw away the whole fucking thing. The 3DS, <laughs> the cartridge. I took the whole fucking Dragon Quest Seven experience. I threw it not in the garbage in the fucking garbage disposal, and I turned it on. So that's that's fine. I'm I'm a Switch person. Go ahead. Wow, he he was not this vehement a year ago when we. Did- <laughs> Escape on backtrack. <laughs> he had he had many of the same opinions, but it, in a much milder tone. It's not the socket. Totally not. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I still got a stack of 3ds games to get through. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm currently stacking up on 3ds games while they're still. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Price. I could take a whole podcast just talking about backlog for any of these. Yeah. Go but, ahead. Yeah, I mean. I, I'll be playing my 3DS. I bought a new 3DS last year, and I'm sure I'll put plenty of hours into it over I, the next two or three years. I bought one of those 2D, the new 2DS, whatever they're called, XLs or whatever XL. they're mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like white with orange. It looks really cool. Yeah, um, and I, I just bought that, that as a backup to my main 3DS because I can tell you with like my regular DS, it, it, it works. But it has a problem with one of the, the buttons. So I bought another DS. But at this point, you can only buy like like used, really used ones yeah. or ones from China. And yeah. the one I got, it had another problem with a different button. It's just like, I can't win. I can't win. So I figured yeah. since a 3DS is on its way to the sunset, I'm going to buy a, a brand new 2DS as a backup. Because I don't use a 3D. So. Yeah, yeah I'm, I had to replace the D-pad on my, or not the D-pad, the what, what do you call the round thing? The circle pad. Thank you, the circle pad. I had to replace that on my 3DS about two years ago. So now mine has a kitty cat paw on it. <laughs> nice. Think yeah, the, the old one literally smushed to pieces. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think the, the one on my original launch 3DS was starting to come apart, but I eventually replaced that whole system anyway. I still have that one. I always... Nice. Uh, I I thought, you know, maybe one day I'll get around to modding it. Yeah, I'm never going to touch that. (laughs) (laughs) But if my son takes an interest in one, I I bought him Puzzles and Dragons because he liked it on the uh, iPad. And 
playing it on the 3DS, he was very disinterested. Oh. Well, I got I got a one of the 2DSs, not the 2DS XL, uh, to play some games with my son. And so far, he's loving Luigi's Mansion, but that's all I've gotten him to play so far. Mm-hmm. Just the co-op, not like you, the actual story or anything. You realize Puzzle and Drags is only fun when it's on your cell phone with microtransactions and a slow-down <laughs> mechanics that force you to spend money to speed things up. You realize that, right? Like, uh, that day, unless he has unfettered access to your credit card and can just hit buy gems, buy gems, buy gems, it's not a fun experience. It's not compelling. Oh, you know, sitting at home, I sat in bed with my son today for about two hours, and I was playing Grandia, and he was playing, like, plant, or he was doing one of his games that he picks up, because my wife loves playing games on mobile. So he's picked up on that as much as, a little bit more than for me. But... Oh my gosh, he must have seen the same ad like 80 times. He was playing something, and I kept hearing this ad. And after about the 20th or 30th time, I said, what is going on? And he's like, oh, well, to get an extra life, I need to watch this ad. <laughs> and I'm like, he just turned uh, six, and he knows all about like where to press the X, where to hit the close, where to hit the no. where to like He knows how to work all those little how to get the extra life or the extra star or the whatever, because he knows we're never going to spend money on that. My wife has once, and it ruined him for about three weeks that he couldn't spend money on his game. She got uh-huh. to do it, and he was watching her spend a dollar on something, and oh my gosh, we got bugged yeah. about it forever. And we're like, nope, never again. I even told my wife, I'm like, don't ever spend a dollar in front of him. <laughs> yeah, th- that, this that is the reason why month. my wife and I just don't do smartphones yet. We're waiting until the company, until the phone company actually discontinues service for our phones before we get one. <laughs> Yeah, I could see it happening. I have cousins that did that. I don't think they got on social media until a couple of years ago when their son went away to college. Mm. Even though that's how all our family communicated. And we were, he was the last one that we were like, oh, wait, somebody better text Shannon because he knows it, nothing about what's going on. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, I play Clash of Clans. And I was talking to, and, and, and the clan that I'm in is a bunch of older, really older guys. And I said to them, I said, do you realize that there are games, stop for a minute, there are games where, it, you know, where literally building up your base only takes minutes and not months of your life <laughs> where you pay gyms to speed yeah. it up by a few days. Do you realize, like, in Clash of Clans, you have to pay millions and millions of gold, gold coins to upgrade one little segment of wall. In Age of Empires, the real-time strategy game with the computer, you pay 200 gold and upgrades all your walls at the same time. <laughs> like, I know, that's just... And they're like, get out. And this Heidi, is you're called... sitting in the back of the room playing Civilization 2. Yeah, <laughs> you're... you're. They're like, you're totally fucking with me. No! No, I'm telling you, this is true. Like, I can't point you... Like, it's <laughs> like, they've been training gamers to associate fun with pain. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean seriously. That the term is fun pain in in the regards to games like Candy Crush. Like the whole, but, yeah. The it, whole, that's how they try to get people to pay, to put more real money in. The whole mm. process of upgrading a base in Clash of Clans literally takes years if you're not pumping millions of dollars, thousands of dollars into it. In StarCraft, you upgrade your base in literal fifteen minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you play online games in the span of an hour. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, Age of, Vamp- Age of Empires. Those are fun. Age of Empires, Age of Nations. You know, those were the older games that would go on for 45 minutes up to a few hours if you played those. But those were the slower games. And uh, StarCraft was a faster game. Uh, so was um, Command and Conquer. That was a bit of a faster game. You get through a game of that in 20, 30 minutes. But regardless, it was like you could have your base fully upgraded in just a matter of minutes. In Clash of Clans, it's literal years. But if you want to speed it up by a few days, you want to speed up this progress of 682 days by a day or two, you need to spend 50 bucks. Yes. And that's fun. And this is how they catch the white whales. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And somehow, the, the sword, if you go back to the swords and puzzles, whatever it's called, puzzles and monsters, whatever, it is really funny that those games are more fun on your cell phone where your friends are begging you to spend a few bucks to speed up just a tiny bit versus playing on your DS where you're not in that ecosystem. Um, but you have you can, you can play that game as fast as you want. Puzzles mm-hmm. and Dragons on your DS will go as fast as you want. Um, you just got to grind up whatever currency you need to upgrade your characters or whatever, but it's not time-gated. It's not money-gated. It's just grind-gated. But, yeah, it's pretty sad. It really is sad. It is. I got I to gotta work on my son. We need more father-son gaming time. Yes. That's a good uh, point. You have to yep. train your children not to be a sucker for these things. I mean, you could play, going back to Starbound, $15, and you get this game that is so deep, so, I mean, so many things to it. Or you can... Or you can download for free, uh, uh, what's it called, Farmville uh, or Heyday, where you start off with a little farm that's time-gated, and once you start getting into it, you start getting really excited about that's when it starts begging you for money. 50 bucks <laughs> here, 20 bucks there. Or you can pay 15 bucks and have Starbound that's all there unlocked for you. You just got to play through it. It's already unlocked for 15 bucks. And it'll keep you entertained for years. Yep. Just teach your kids now, ancient new guy. Teach them. I will. I will. <laughs> so, so did we come to a consensus on that? Is it the 3DS or the Switch? Wheels, what are you doing? If you could only pick one. Uh, I think it would have to be the Switch. I mean, it's, it's we're what, like two years in, and there's already, like, multiple... Uh, RPGs you could obsess over for years. I mean, mm-hmm. you could spend hundreds of that, hundreds of hours just messing around in Breath of the Wild. So uh, yeah, Switch. Uh, that's not to say I don't absolutely adore the 3DS because I do, but um, yeah, I have had to upgrade the memory card on my Switch three times. So <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Three. I'm gonna be the descending opinion. 3ds. Yes. Okay. Uh, I will tell you. I, I. I. I'm very biased in this because every time I go to look at to buy a Switch game, I'm like, oh wait, it's already on the PC and it's one half to one third the price. So to be fair, I'm very biased in this. Like, yes, you can get Skyrim. Yes, you can get you can get Terraria or Minecraft or whatever. But 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 you know those games are on other platforms, but cheaper. But that's not the question. I don't know. The, or the, some of them are on the 3DS, but cheaper. But the 3DS has a ton of really deep RPGs 
for for cheaper. I just feel like the Switch has this huge tax on it. Skyrim, 10-year-old RPG, have it for 60 bucks. But the 3DS, you can get brand new RPGs that are really brand new, at least back when they first came out. And they were like, they came out at 40 bucks, like Bravely Default or whatever. So I, I you know, Shin Megami Tensei Strange, or Strange Journey, the, the remix, or the, um, um, what's it called, number four? Shin Megami Tensei 4. Yeah, should we go with Tuesday four? Yeah, there you like, go. And apocalypse, apocalypse, yeah. apocalypse. Four, yeah, two. that's the one. Yeah, two. Well, oh, well, part of my consideration Odyssey is that games. over here, Japan's got a much better secondhand pricing market. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have to worry about this price inflation stuff nearly as much because I know I can probably get it at half price easily in a few years anyway. I and I've got say, lots of stuff to play before then. I'm a big fan of DRPGs as well, and I haven't. I haven't seen yet what the Switch is going to do with Etrian Odyssey, which is one of our favorite series, my favorite series, Persona oh, Q and Etrian Odyssey. Because uh, you have the bottom screen to draw with, which is a huge draw for me. <laughs> playing with oh, the RPGs. Did you see what I did there? Yeah, I saw what you did there. That was good. Yeah. See what I was drawing up? Uh, so, uh, I, you, without that bottom screen, I don't know what you're going to do to the Switch. The problem is, if you can draw on the Switch screen... What do you do when it's in dock mode? That's the big challenge. You draw with uh, your control stick. I I, I uh. don't know. Oh uh, yeah, the Wii U. I my heart broke. I have a Wii U, and it just broke that we never got a really good like Etrian Odyssey type of game where I could draw the map on my touchpad while playing on my big television. The Vita did a better job with the PlayStation. We had Class of Heroes two, which. You, you using your PS, uh, your Vita or whatever, you could see while you're playing on your television on your Vita using it as a controller. You could see on the screen what was going on in the dungeon, the monster statistics, the map. You couldn't draw on it, but it gave you the second screen, which is perfect for dungeon crawlers. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I know Adrian obviously, obviously has to move on from the 3DS to survive. What is he going to do on the Switch? Uh, oh, you bring up a good point. What, what did I put in uh, Discord? Was it two weeks ago when we were getting ready for the Persona Q2 episode? Like, I've got over 500-something hours just in the Etrian Odyssey games on my 3DS. I listed all the times that I play them all, and uh, that's a lot. That's more than I've played on my Switch so far. Hmm. You make a good point, Phil. Mm, yeah, I just, I just, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But um, definitely when it comes to RPGs, I think another thing that's very interesting if you're a really big fan of RPGs is, look, true, like, especially turn-based RPGs, but traditional console RPGs don't make as much money as action games. They just don't, or action RPGs. Mm -hmm. So the thing about the 3DS is... It, it, it because it was a lower resolution and quality than let's say a PlayStation 3 or whatever at the time it became kind of a hub for for people who were making RPGs because they could make it for less money but they were still going to get a good return on their investment um, with the switch there's a higher expectation you're kind of expected to make a game that looks kind of decent on TV. may not look as good as a PlayStation 4 but they're still standards. Um, whereas with the 3DS, it just had to be whatever the resolution on 3DS was. It wasn't very much. So 320. 
320? Yeah, yeah. So I think one of my, I think, you know, like when you look at games like Bravely Default and Etrian Odyssey and things like that, um, a lot of the RPGs on the 3DS, at the time, you weren't seeing nearly as many turn-based or uh, quality RPGs on the PlayStation 3 and and 4 during those generations. Because, you know, if you were going to bring out those games to the platforms proper, you'd have to invest a lot more money. Um, I, I, and and so now that we're moving away from the 3DS overall, what are we really going to see uh, on the Switch? I'm glad that Octopath Traveler's done really good. Yay! I'm super excited about that. But but have we seen a, have we seen Octopath Traveler two? Have we seen the next big turn based RPG come out that wasn't a remake coming out on the Switch? No, because because you don't get the ROI you get on that uh, if you made Bayonetta three or you made uh you know Astral what's it called Astral Chain Astral Chain yeah Astral Chains or whatever have you action is where it's at boys and girls action RPGs are if you're gonna do RPG do an action RPG do a shooter RPG do a Borderlands three like that's where the big money is at so. Um, for the longest, the DS and the 3DS were kind of that place where if you want to do a turn-based or a strategy or a tactical RPG, you could do it because you didn't have to invest nearly as much in the graphics. But, but you know, it, it was a great place to fit that that niche. Uh, I, I don't know if we're going to see that on the Switch or not. Well, now, And some indie developers have stepped up. But yeah. will we see, like, the cool AAA? Will we still see the Atlas? Will we still see the Square Enix spinoffs? Will we start still see some of those bigger titles that we saw in the 3DS? Uh, it remains to be seen, because Atlas has been kind of quiet of late. Has anybody heard was... anything about, perso- what's it called, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five? Nope. There was, what, an image last yeah. summer? Yeah. One image. And then they, oh. they had an image of Etrian Odyssey, too. And that's the, not. It should be pointed there. out that Tokyo Game Show is like next week. Oh, okay. Or well, actually, two weeks in two weeks. Okay. But yeah. So, what what has Atlas done on the Switch yet? Uh, well, they have a uh, cool game coming up. Persona Five. Oh yes. Persona Five Scramble. <laughs> uh, there's that. Oh, Matt, you're going robot again. I'll be back. Okay. He'll be back. Yeah. Well. Well, speaking of weird, cool 3DS games while he's away, I've started up a very cool Japanese-only 3DS game called Beyond the Labyrinth. Yay! How's it going with that? Um, pretty good. It's very weird. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm still in the first area. I haven't been able to play much of it the past few days, but um, I'm very, very intrigued. Like, I, I don't know if you've heard of this game, Phil, but it starts off where it it starts off as, like, you're playing, like, a classic, I don't know, 16 or 8-bit, like, first-person dungeon crawler. It It looks like... It looks like the interface to either a really good remake of Fantasy Star 1 or one of the old Shin Megami Tensei games. Yeah. And you could see, I could tell right away, and this was confirmed when I looked up some information on the game, but it's basically like a bunch of characters are playing like an MMO or an online RPG like that. And it kind of starts you off, teaches you the battle system, which is uh, a whole weird, I don't even know how to describe it. (laughs) 
Rock, paper, scissors with colors. Okay. That, yep. Uh, and you're going along in this retro dungeon, and all of a sudden you hear a character's voice talking, which... In... Is completely outside what should be in the game. <laughs> right. And you keep going along, and there's, like, you know, the weird static, and you see a character, like, through the static, and then eventually it does a whole shift into, like, a full... Full-on 3D world, and kind of goes from there. And it's a very, very weird and cool game, and I'm very, very sad that we never got a localized release of this. Because I'd mm -hmm. love to know more about what exactly is going on, but, uh, I mean, it's, so, it's damn cool. <laughs> well, you, you want to hear what's up with the girl? Yes. Well, the basic idea is that um, she's from a village up somewhere up um, from there, and she wanted to, she basically, she wanted to tell dreams, be a storyteller, that kind of thing, and she was looking for inspiration, and there were stories that there was magic hidden in the valley, so she snooped around, was trying to look, and then she fell in, hmm. and she fell all the way to the bottom, right into the healing spot the first healing spot you see in the game. <laughs> which is the only reason she's alive. Interesting. And so she's trying to figure out what's going on because there was a barrier that wouldn't let her go up the stairs out. So she found the little elevator going down and she um, she was examining this some of the stuff there and she triggered something that accidentally summoned your characters. Hmm. And so if if you look at her... If, if you're looking at her back, you'll see a kind of a tattoo across her shoulders. Yep. That's connected to this. Okay. She gains more of them as the game goes on, and she's very surprised to realize that she's got them. <laughs> hmm. So. But they tend to appear every time she gets a new power or ability to move up to a different level of the, of the dungeon. Well, cool. I'm looking cool. forward to playing more of this. Yeah. It's such a weird game. So, when you say first level, do you mean in the base garden, uh, like the the second tutorial area, or have you gotten to the abandoned keep? Not, not yet. Okay. So I, I think I've gone up like two floors or so. Okay. Yeah, the first first time I went up, I this was before I asked you for like a tutorial about the combat. I wasn't really 100% sure what I was doing and got destroyed. <laughs> so I had to uh, mm -hmm. start the game over because I don't think I yeah. actually saved it all. Yeah, really, really liking it. You read Japanese? No. Because I'm looking at screenshots. I can't figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, I'm fumbling around like an well idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the sure game are. itself doesn't require a lot of reading. Yeah, it's just if you want to understand the basic plot or get a feel for any of the characterization of these four people who are going along, then you won't really yeah. understand it. It's not, despite the fact that it starts off as like a retro-styled first-person dungeon crawler, it is not deep combat-wise. Uh, but it is very cool. Uh, so yeah, um, all right. Let me see what we got for other questions here. 
Uh, this is from Budai. Would you pay $300 for a game if somehow you magically knew it was going to be the guess, best game ever played? Yes? <laughs> is this a trick question? I'm going to go with no. No? Interesting. No. I think for uh, how many? 300 My gosh, I could buy 10 $30 games that I know I will enjoy for that price. May not be the number one, but I'll go with economy of scale here. Hmm. All right. We see a lot of people kind of doing that with the retro game market being what it is, right? I mean, where people on eBay are spending 200, 300 more on a single game because they want that authentic experience. God bless their heart. <laughs> There's... There's too many good games that are way cheaper than that. I'm okay with with enjoying the backlog of subpar games I have. If a game, <laughs> if like the best game out there is three hundred dollars, like Final Fantasy VII, they're gonna release it in chunks. By the time it's done, it could probably be three hundred dollars. I'm not buying. That's <laughs> fine. It could be the best rendition of Final Fantasy. Have the best Final. I love Final Fantasy. Don't get me wrong, but it could be the best Final Fantasy experience ever created i'm not paying 300 dollars for that shiz i'll wait for it to go on 80 percent sale yeah I'm i not like how 300 for that that's crazy it's crazy i like how i went right to you know i could probably get 10 decent games and phil's ready to play mediocre games <laughs> <laughs> phil doesn't even care I, it's like whatever i'll just play the mediocre ones i've got i've got this huge backlog of really awesome not just mediocre Really awesome games, right? No, like I just got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, three hundred dollars for a single game. I guess, I guess my perspective would be changed if, if all I had was really truly mediocre games on my backlog. Sure, and you know that was the only awesome game that was out there, or I didn't have any games at all. Well, let's just say I had a system, and I had you know three hundred dollars to spend, and it was the only good game out. Maybe, maybe. Listen. Listen, maybe if, you know, it came with a sweet steel book and like a, I don't know, clou- <laughs> cloud on a motorcycle statue or something, maybe then I would pay $300. But otherwise, no, never. No, there. Oh. Uh, I now, saw that you could sit on a motorcycle at PAX this weekend. Nice. I've been seeing some tweets of those. Be your own cloud. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we need to know more about this mysterious game before I commit it to anything. And have a steelbook. Yes, steelbook, 100% required. I feel like that's almost a given at that price point. I would hope so. Is Gaijin still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Would you put down the 300? For what? Final Fantasy VII? For the bet? <laughs> <laughs> For a mysterious game that you intrinsically knew would be the best game you've ever played. That was Budai's question. How bored am I? <laughs> and what else do I intrinsically know about this game? Because I've I play a lot of stuff, and I'm quite, kind of 
having trouble imagining a game with a common denominator that would make it the best at everything. Mm. However, if we're talking, but if we're seriously talking, the best game I could ever, I could ever play based on everything that I like and everything else, I would say yes, because that would be $300 for essentially a holodeck. <laughs> Where you could play Metal Mach Saga? Romancing I, Metal Mach Saga? Hmm. Or I could make it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'd play 300 for a holodeck. No. Nah, I'm with you there. If it, was, if it was $300 for, example, the... The, uh... Like the, um original programming disc and I could go turn it around and sell it to somebody even better. <laughs> now you're just an investor. But yeah, so. <laughs> Are we getting away from the spirit of Budai with that? Probably. So. <laughs> Do you think he would pay $300 for a new Breath of Fire? He might. So, Budai, would you answer in the comments? Yes, please. I mean, be, don't waste your money. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we did have some question in the Discord. Or I should say we were pawned off some question in the Discord. Hold on. Pull it up. Find the chat room. Here we go. This is from Pete Zoof on Twitter, who tweeted at RP Gamer, "What are three games your staff would li love to see prequels to?" Hmm. Oh, this was based on something, wasn't it? It must have been. I don't have a don't prequel. Maybe I'm imagining that. I thought there was a game that they pointed out that... Maybe not. Uh, trying to pull up the tweet. See if I can get the history here. Mm -hmm. Technology failing. So I don't know. Alright, so what what RPGs would you love to see prequels to? I'll go last because I need to think and force you all to answer <laughs> on the spot. RPGs that you would like to see prequels. Correct. Okay. And let's assume good prequels and not like, um, you know, the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> Xenosaga. Interesting. Because, uh, because it is specifically part six of its own story. <laughs> And while it alludes to several of the pre uh, preceding stories, we don't actually see a lot of what happens. Yeah. So yeah, let's go with that. Okay. That's, that's my first choice. Okay. I've got one or two others, so keep going, guys. Okay. Well, I was going to say, maybe you should keep going. Yeah. If you've already got the one or two others. We'll go around the table. We'll go around the virtual table. Who wants to go next? Mm. Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh. Would that be Horizon Negative One Dawn? <laughs> right? Like, totally. Think about it. It's deep, man. 
it's just like because it's it's kind of the story that that's that's about the future but it, it, there's obviously stuff that went on in the past that screwed up humanity and you're wondering what it is mm-hmm. and and the game answers some of those questions but a prequel could answer more mm. good point good point it's a good one yeah totally uh Oh, right. I'm going last. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I, man, I'm drawing a blank on this one. Should have hopped on Discord to look for this. Monster Hunter. Like, where do the monsters come from? Where do the hunters come from? <laughs> like, uh, some, here we some go. Questions you don't really need answering. <laughs> I want to know. Monster Hunter stories. How did the it come that monsters got trained and not just killed for parts? Yeah. That's actually a better question, yeah. So there's a prequel. Isn't that kind of covered in Monster Hunter stories? <laughs> well, that's what I pointed out. Is I want, I want oh, yeah. Monster Hunter Story Zero. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, I guess it's my turn now. Um... <laughs> Uh, prequel to Final Fantasy VI, considering it alludes to a whole war that happened years ago. Let's have an RPG set during that. That would be fun. Okay. Is it back to me again? Yep. Hmm? Okay, so option number two, going in the same thing that, for the reason I chose Xenosaga, we go with Ogre Battle. Because, again, Ogre Battle, the first game, was actually like supposedly like the fourth or fifth game in its timeline mm-hmm. or a story in its timeline. So let's go back way to the first one with the original ogre battle, which was fought with demigods and demons and angels and nearly blasted the planet to pieces. Mm. That could be fun. So, I mean, there are sections of the original ogre battle map that are described as being created because somebody punched somebody else. Not along those lines. Hmm. In the first war. So, yeah. That could be fun. Sounds pretty cool to me. And then the third option would probably be a bit more of a depressing one, but um, showing the actual War of Destruction and Metal Max. Considering it would be a losing battle for almost the entire game. (laughs) But you could see you could you could see them trying to build up the defenses, those defenses getting blasted to pieces, random giant monsters showing up for the first time, and basically just trying to survive. Basically making the using the grim dark re- pseudo realism of Xeno and actually doing something proper with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it's depressing because we would never see a localized version of that prequel. (laughs) No, it would be depressing because in order for any of the sequels to make narrative sense, you would have to be losing this battle. Because, I mean, you couldn't even destroy um, Noah, the computer, because Noah survives till Metal Max 1. So. And segments of him survive until Metal Saga 
and Metal Saga DS. Hmm. So, um, yeah. This, this would not be a very happy game. I mean, it would probably end up having a happy ending because you'd find some way of, like, disabling the, the final solution or just destroying the giant killer robot thing. But again, since Noah is a, like, literally a substrate of the industrialized, um, like, the military-industrial complex by this point that's capable of synthesizing its own bio-cybernetic attack dinosaurs. Yeah. um, Good luck with that. It's like if you could actually give a computer system steroids, it's what ha- would happen if you roided up Skynet. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, um, someone uh, I was talking with somebody on, somebody on a different Discord, and somehow the, actual, the game actually came up as a topic, and it was like, yeah, it's what, would hap- what you would get if you uh, had a Mad Max movie marathon for all the programmers in your computer company, and they get you gave them all the Red Bull and vodka they could drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just it's, yeah. Have at it. Have fun. All right, Phil, what you got? Final Fantasy for Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work out too well, did it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it happened. Yeah. Well, it it did indeed happen. That's for sure. Shoot. Um. Mm, um. I had an idea, and then I forgot about it. Nope. Totally forgot. All right, I got one. Then I'll jump ahead of you. Then I want to. I want to see a prequel to Dragon Fantasy. I want to see Ogden with hair. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see him half his age being a hero with hair. That would be pretty cool. All the same rock monsters, Mrs. Rock Monster. I've got a plush All rock that- monster. Ooh, it's pretty sweet. I'm jealous of that. Then I do. I do like me some Dragon Fantasy. Bought from the creator of the game. Nice. Um, you got any other ones? Gotta have one more. I did. Uh, I'll go with some games that we talked about earlier. We could pick and choose here: Dragon Quest Seven or Dragon Quest Nine. Because some stuff went down in both of those way beforehand. And I think yeah. just any of the post-apocalyptic games, they wouldn't be good. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that the later Dragon Quest trilogies didn't do what the first three did. Mm-hmm. And have like the first game and then the d- sort of direct sequel to the first game and then the complete prequel to the first two games. Because mm. I thought that was a really nice, interesting format to do. And they, I know the... Um, Four, five, and six are some kind, sometimes called the Zenithian trilogy, and there are supposedly 
implications of connections, but they don't actually say anything. No, and Hori's come out and said that, yeah, we just use similar elements, but it was not meant to be a trilogy. Yeah. You know, it's all fans putting stuff together just because they wanted to throw similar items. They wanted to use the word Zenithian in three straight games. So people put that together. Yeah. They read into that. And same thing with 7, 8, and 9, where I mean, you have things like the Phantom Ship in the Desert in 8, where you could almost imagine that somehow fitting in with 7. <laughs> oh, almost. True. Yeah, that was never really explained, was it? No, it was not. You just, hey, we need a boat. Hey, guess what? There's one in the desert. That will magically float out of there. <laughs> Dragon Quest Nine with the whole war with the Giddish Empire and what happened to Corvus 300 years in the past. Yeah. There was some heroes stuff going on back then. So there we go. I put forth four games. <laughs> they got better after I thought about it. <laughs> Alright, uh... Still having trouble thinking of more. Um, you stole all the good Dragon Quest ones. <laughs> um... Final Fantasy Tactics, because um, there's a lot of stuff going on in that world, and uh, I'd like to see more of it. Yeah, that, that's another one where you have the backstory that includes the ancient heroes sealing away things, and yep. we could use more of that. I mean, it worked for Lithia too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it actually worked a lot better for Lithia too. <laughs> Still need to play Lufia too. Um, all right, so there's one. If you want to play Lufia two, definitely go for the Super Nintendo version. Don't I mean, I have the DS copy, um, DS version in my back room. I haven't tried it yet, but I heard that they took out all the good puzzles. It's also an action game now. Exactly. Sp going back to the much earlier topic of unnecessary uh, genre changes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I got a good one. I would like to not necessarily... This isn't necessary a prequel to any one specific game, but I would like to see a Pokemon game that takes place, like, farther back in time. Maybe... Pokemon Conquest! Yeah, something like that, but like a... Or a Pokemon of the Round Table. Yeah. So we're doing <laughs> Galar region, so let's yeah. do King Arthur. Yeah. But I would love something like that where you get to see like, oh, how lots of the Pokemon traditions and about trainers and battles and all that, how it all came to be. I, I think that would be pretty cool. Did any of this exist before the invention of the Pokeball? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think some so it's of the, all the partner stuff again. I think yeah. some, some of the anime movies have touched on some of this, but it's not necessarily canon for the games but that, yeah that could be pretty fun we'd love to see that 
I doubt they will, though. But <laughs> uh, did we give Phil enough time to think? Or get what can I alcohol? do for you? <laughs> Wait, that did, no. <laughs> it, it's it it fits with everything. <laughs> okay. Where 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 did their songs come from? Where did where did the idea? I mean, think about this for a second. Like, if you say we need a prequel to Final Fantasy X, to what they would say, people most people would say, well, that's Final Fantasy X, right? But think about it for a second. Like, what the hell? What the hell drove Yuna to go from a priestess to a singer, a pop J-pop singer, right? Like, there's a story to be told there. What can I do for you? <laughs> there you go. An yeah. RPG about Yuna's journey from being one of the most religious people on the planet to being one of the most promiscuous. Like, look at the short skirt she has. She totally did 180. <laughs> this is a journey. <laughs> yeah. This is a journey. The story it, needs to be told. I, I, I always saw Yuna as like one of those, I mean, like one of, the pop stars who in their teens, they started off with the Mickey mouse club and they had to have a certain image. It was very carefully crafted. And as soon as they hit 21, the brakes come off and they're like completely different because they can be. She's Miley Cyrus better, but yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and, and where did, where did pain come from? Like what's pain story? Like totally. We could have a good time with this. Think about it, guys. We can totally do this. This is a better I, I would much rather have them just completely remodel um, 10 2 to have better original content and a battle system that didn't try to run you over if you looked away for 10 seconds. What can I do for you? This is a much better idea than I expected. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I, I think this started out as a joke that really then. <laughs> Like, wait a minute. Hey, it started, out, it hey, started out as a song that. lyric. It's not even a joke. It was a song hey, lyric. Hey, I, I still remember the time I wrote an a uh, game you like this game you like sucks article for RP Gamer for April Fool's Day one year, and it went from being a joke originally to being pretty serious and earnest, and I actually convinced some people. <laughs> what game sucked? Bravely Default. Oh no, that's a good game. No, you're. you're it was a- like it's like. No, it was just a major, um, a, a lot of discussion of Bravely Default's faults, plus five games that we really should have gotten instead. Mm. Only one of which you did eventually get. Don't forget, you are uh, you are on the Bravely Default hate cast. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, darn, I really like that game. Yeah, well, I got stuck in the Fire Temple for way too long with no access to a convenient gauge to change the encounter rates. Oh. And the and when you get to the big twist in the middle of the game, the concept of replaying everything again is a bit much, especially when it ends up being the same, I mean, basically four carbon copies of the same character whacking the same enemy with the same swords. Because that's how most of the job class systems in the series end up turning out to be. So... (laughs) Not a lot of variety in combat, to be honest. Or at least the game didn't reward you for getting creative. Nearly enough. 
I did enjoy the second one better. I never got that far. I did enjoy ne- never playing the second one. <laughs> oh. I just found other things to enjoy. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot more fun trying to figure out exactly how I can min-max a set of tanks and metal max to the point where I hit, like, sistuple damage in one round. Sistuple digit damage in one round. Wow. Listen, that took some doing. It's not that I hated it. It's just that I didn't like it. <laughs> At all. See, and I wonder if I have, like, rose-tinted glasses, because those two games, uh, Bravely Default and Bravely Second, I waited. I didn't play them when they came out, but when my second son was born, my first son slept through the night, like, week two, and it was amazing. I went back to work. My wife took care of him. It was fine. He rarely, if ever, woke up. Number two, oh my god. He was up all hours of all the nights. And I, I honestly think I played 90% of the 100 plus hours of those two games sitting in the rocking chair with him <laughs> in my lap. Just trying to get him back to sleep. 1am, 2am, 3am. I left my 3DS and my charger in his room for a month. Because that's where I played it. <laughs> <laughs> It was fun getting a lot of JP. Man. Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't get into it. Although I loved the game they made before that. Four Heroes of Light. Mm. Have you played Octopath Traveler yet? Yes, I enjoy Octopath Traveler, though. Uh, have not finished it mm. because um, I have a lot of games on the Switch. <laughs> and it's really long. Yeah, that too. So, what it, else? Any other questions or anything? Uh, I think that's about it. Hello. 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 Oh God! Did we lose? Is anybody there? Um, we are here. Okay. What can I do for you? <laughs> Phil's still here. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Well, I think everybody on this continent can still hear each other. (laughs) There's a continental divide. Okay, I'm getting lost scrolling up through the Discord. But I think that's nine or ten days ago, so you would have probably. I think we're hit all that. Let me just try and get him back in here for the outro. Okay. All right. Uh, we should probably wrap this up then. Um, you can send us questions at normal place, Discord, Twitter. Um, leave comments on episodes of RPG Backtrack. 
<laughs> what can I do for you? Uh, and we and yeah, we will we will find your questions wherever you decide to leave them. And yeah, that's about it. Uh, hold on. Let me see if Anime Man see Anime Man says Phil has had way too much of the happy juice tonight. What can I do for you? Uh, okay, that answers that. And we will see you all next week. Peace out. Hello and welcome to bonus Q&A quest content. Dave got back a day earlier from PAX and uh, Nintendo Direct happened and I haven't hadn't actually edited the show yet. So hey, we're going to slap this on to the end of that drunken mess of a l- episode. Oh, I'm very interested and excited to hear what the rest of the episode sounds like now. <laughs> no, it's fine. Phil was Phil was just on point. He was hilarious. It was exactly as you would expect. Yes. Good times. Good times. But, uh, uh, by the end, he was constantly singing, What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Uh, you, you can tell us what you saw at PAX that was interesting. Oh, man. Uh, I, like a lot of these, you're going to see impressions of... Uh, hopefully, by the time this is edited, they'll already all be up. But, I mean, best light plans... Uh, do you want me to start with the big stuff or the small stuff? Let's start with the small stuff. Okay, so I got a brief look. Uh, well, just I guess I can just sort of go through the small stuff. I'll start chronologically. So I got a brief look at uh, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, which is a cute little farming action RPG from XC. Oh, nice. Not to be confused with their other farming action RPGs. Uh, but this one, uh, what they showed me, the demo, was more the action portion. They sort of uh, gave me an explanation of how the farming kind of tied into it. But it was, it's not like Rune Factory, where like it's clearly building off a base of Harvest Moon. I'll put it that way. Sure. Uh, the 2D sections were more, like certainly not this pretty, but like in the vein of something like an Odin Sphere. Hmm. in terms of how they controlled and played. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, your character is a bit stiff on the ground, but you have kind of a fun grappling mechanic, and you're much more powerful in the air, so it gives you a lot of excuse to sort of knock enemies around. Nice. I had fun. That one's uh, supposed to be out this year. Uh, I know that it's been in previews in a few forms for a couple of years, but it seems like it's actually fairly close to done. Uh... You know, it had some light, uh, you know, it had some gear customization elements. It seemed fun. I, I enjoyed what I played, but, you know, I can't speak too much of it. Uh, let's see, the next thing I had was Dark, uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics, which I had no idea what to expect from going in. <laughs> like, I knew it was a tactical RPG. I remember it being profoundly baffled when I saw it announced at a Nintendo Direct like six months ago. Or was it at E3? 
I can't remember which it was announced at. But uh, what I played was something that very obviously the developers were big fans of Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> you can kind of tell that just from like some video of the game. Yeah, like like a lot of things you'll like there's a few kinds of things that can influence a strategy RPG at this point. Like you'll get the games that are direct progeny of Final Fantasy Tactics and you'll get the games that are direct progeny of like a Nisa game and you'll get the games that are direct progeny of like a Fire Emblem game and they it kind of just shows in the way they design maps. But uh, this one has a lot of like elevation. It has small, very like the. It has at the very least some maps that are very army constrained. I don't think I've ever seen a Fire Emblem game where you're only allowed to sort three characters into a fight. But one of the demo missions did just that, so you can Thanks. end up with like it's. It doesn't feel limiting because those characters seem to have a lot of customization options. But it does like it. When I looked at this map, it sort of reminded me of, you know, the woods that you can get in random battles in in FF Tactics? Yeah. Made me think of that. Gotcha. That place, very in specific. Uh, but, like, you can get a map that, like, in something like Fire Emblem, you wouldn't see a map that was, like, maybe 8x8 eight eight squares. Sure. And, like, you can get to those kind of smaller maps that lead to a different kind of tactical encounter. Uh, but yeah, this had a lot of emphasis on uh, positioning in terms of like elevation, like being on the high ground gets you a lot of advantages in this. Um, it had a lot of uh, emphasis on status effects. There were a lot of attacks that would in induce status effects and a lot of attacks that would be more powerful if they were done on an enemy with a status effect. Hmm. So, like, uh, one of the characters had that I put into the, into the uh, advanced demo uh, section was a was someone who had like an ability that would cause silence, but they also had an ability that if an enemy was silenced, it would do twice as much damage. <laughs> So it was, like, one of those things where, like, you kind of want characters that synergize in that fashion, that, like, you can... that they can take advantage of the status effects that, e effects that each of them are inflicting. Uh, one of the characters I brought in had, like, area of effect moves, but they were, like, huge given the map standards. So it was very easy for this character to accidentally hurt their allies. <laughs> you had to be very <laughs> careful about it. Uh... But yeah, I was impressed. I didn't know what to expect going into it, but I admit that when they put me in front of the second part, like the first part of the demo was just a tutorial to let you know the interface. Sure. And then the second, the advanced demo was this more concrete, uh, like, here's what the meat of the game actually kind of looks like. And it started with, it gave you five characters that you could select three of, and they all had different jobs, the potential to have sub-jobs, and the potential to have different abilities swapped in and out. <laughs> so, uh, I know the what they told me was that, the, and like what all the information I can find says that there's over 15 jobs. And so you put uh, selectable jobs, sub-jobs, and ability customization all together, and there seems like there's a lot of room for depth in it. Uh, yeah, no, I was I was favorably impressed with that. Uh, you know, it looked nice, it ran well. I was, the version I played was 
like they handed me an Xbox controller. I did not uh, like it, that. Might be the version. I don't know. They offered me the Switch version, but sadly, uh, the uh, batteries were not charged in it, so I could not uh, uh. test that one personally. But you know, they were quite willing to show it. I'm convinced that it'll probably be fine. Um, but yeah, no, I was. I think that if it's as interesting as that demo was, I think it could be actually a really nice sort of sleeper hit sort of tactical RPG. Cool. Um, do they have anything to say about the new show? Did that even uh, come up? Or there's, they were not. A, the they weren't a. They so, so what they gave me was that they did not imply that they had seen it because okay. like the new show had just come out the day I was previewing this. Oh, it's out already. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it just okay. happened. They did say how it ties into the game, though. Okay. Like, essentially what they said, and I'm trying to make sure that I don't misrepeat what I was told, but basically the information that I was given was that it'll tie into the show. It should stand on its own just fine, but, like, it'll take... You, you'll get what happens in the show, but you'll also see some of the stuff that the show doesn't... that the show isn't showing. Sure. Because it also has, like side quests and such that you can get into. It's not uh, just... It, it's not a, the style of strategy RPG where it's like campaign, mission, campaign, mission, campaign, mission, right. no deviation, so... Uh, you've got some say in what you'll be doing, and if you choose to, there's apparently quite a bit of side content that you can choose to do if you want to. Sweet. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would imagine it'll be more fun for people who are fans of the show. Uh, my prior exposure to Dark Crystal is seeing a very strange work print of the movie <laughs> that did not subtitle anything. Which, if you've ever seen Dark Crystal, you understand that that's weird. Uh, so, like, Dark Crystal is already kind of a weird cult classic property. It's interesting to see it coming back. But I think... I've heard the show is good. I haven't had the chance to see it yet. Uh, but, I mean, I'm very interested in the game. Excellent. Well, if if nothing else, sounds like the game will be pretty sweet. Yeah. And, I mean, the movie slash show have a nice visual aesthetic, so... Yeah, the, It's going to be a cool-looking game. Yeah, it captured the visual appeal fairly well. Sweet. Like, it has had a good use of color and style. Uh, and, you know, if you, what I remember from the movie is that it felt like a smaller piece of a larger world, so it feels like something that it's natural to expand on. Yeah, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen the movie in ages, but yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch it at some point. It's a it's a weird movie. It's it one is. of those things that like you can tell like it must have been like a handsome company passion project. Yeah. Well, cool. Is yeah. is that gonna be digital only? Do you know? Uh I see if I have anything written down about it. Uh I don't know if they specified. Okay. I should have asked. Oh, well. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. No, it, it looks good. Uh, I was impressed. Excellent. Uh, what did I touch on from there that's worth going to? I played uh, Scalaboy, which was uh, if anyone remembers, this was shown... This this has been floating around for a few years. It just got reannounced as a timed Switch exclusive uh, 
in, I believe, the E3 Direct. Did you see this? Do you remember this? No. So it's a game... The, they gave me the brief rundown. So it's a game... Uh, the premise is that Evil Wizard tries to ask Princess on a date. She says no. He tries to raise an army of the dead as revenge. Uh, he's an idiot and accidentally raises you, who's the like who was a hero in life, but who you know you've rotted away. You're a skeleton now. And it was this kind of RPG action RPG Metroidvania as construction where you get new abilities and upgrades to your stats by replacing bits of your skeleton. Huh. So, like, you start out without feet. <laughs> and the first thing you have to do is go grab your skeleton right. feet. And when you put them on, like, you're suddenly able to move a lot faster, and you, more importantly, you can jump now. And so you start running around, and, like, there, there's a lot of... Like, one of the things I really enjoyed while I was playing the demo of this one is that there were a lot of segments where, like, I would just check the description that the game had to work out what something had done to my stats and just sort of start laughing. <laughs> so, like, when you pick up the feet and you look at the description, it says, like, uh, you know, they're a bit bony, but, they're, but hey, they're yours. Uh, they give you an unfair advantage in tap dancing competitions. <laughs> um, there is... Like, to show off the mechanic of your ability to swap, one of the first enemies will drop, like, a new ribcage you can put on. But your new ribcage sucks. <laughs> like, it's, it's active, it actively reduces your maximum health. And if you read the description, it says that, like, you're, you're so ashamed of how hideous this is that you refuse, that you lose health because of it. <laughs> uh, there's a bit early in the demo where you find a knight who is about who is like stuck in a guillotine and asks you to free him and if you I, I I did not I only had the chance to check what happened if you let him out he gives you a sword presumably if you don't let him out you get his head uh but it's it's all very cartoony it's very cute uh the art style is sort of a 3D dot game hero esque like pixels done in 3D, but like, with every character as like, a very thin, flat, sort of Parappa paper-esque creature. <laughs> but it's, it's very cute. The demo uh, gave you access to a few different things, like a different weapon types. Uh, eventually, uh, one of my favorite things I got was I killed the bat and wore its wings as shoes. <laughs> and those made you run a lot faster, that sort of thing. It, it felt good. Uh... It, it was cute. I liked it. Um, it like there were bits where the controls felt a little loose, but uh, I mean, it seemed it all seemed forgivable. It seemed, I it was very charming. I'll put it that way. Hmm. All right. Let's see. Um, I guess this, I'm trying to uh, keep score on everything that I looked at because it was it was a hectic weekend for a multitude of reasons <laughs> but uh i guess i'll also hit the heavy hitters uh since those stuck out in my head i got the chance to do to play both the ff7 remake demo and the trials of mana remake demo and i shock of shocks i was impressed by both nice uh, uh which of those should i go on about first i want to hear about trials of mana first 
Okay, so that one, uh, that one was the one that I obviously was more concerned about because we've we've had a couple of uh, remakes of Mana games so far, and they've run the gamut. They've mostly hovered around largely unnecessary. Like they didn't add anything. They didn't feel like they had done anything to differentiate themselves. And like the Trials of Mana remake is still very much Trials of Mana. Like, when I pl- uh, opened it up, you it starts you in the early seg- segment of the game where uh, you're stuck in a town that is controlled by Beastmen, and you have to wait until night to leave. So anyone who's played that knows that that's maybe 20 minutes into the game. Very early on. But it... One, it, it just looks a lot more refreshing when it's not when you so like part of the joy of playing a remake is seeing things from a new perspective and part of the problem with like adventures of mana and secret of mana remake is that you are seeing the same objects from the same perspective and so just the addition of a proper 3d camera really helps this remake in a lot of ways because it feels fresher but it, it was fun, like, it, it felt detailed, like, there's a lot of, there was a lot of just stuff to find lying around, a lot of uh, cute little details. I found some of the other protagonists just milling around. Uh, nice. It's very bright, very colorful. Uh, the version I was playing was the PS4 version, it ran beautifully. Uh, let's see, uh, as, as Pa's impression already mentions... The game's going to be available in just about every language that anyone speaks inside America or Europe. Uh, and also, it allows you to freely switch between an original and a remixed soundtrack, which is nice. Nice. Uh, both both seemed quite good, so, you know, no complaints there. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fairly short jaunt of a demo. It gave a taste of the combat, so, like... One thing I'll say about Trials of Mana in in its original format, it was a gorgeous game. It's not a very good action game. <laughs> no, it's very like, much it's very much from like that early era where honestly I'm still trying to figure out how to make a good action RPG. Yeah. And so it's like it's so built around like these gorgeous sprite animations that take forever and don't really feel that in tune with what you're playing, and you kind of accept it. Like it's not the worst thing in the world, but it doesn't feel great. Yeah, it's not as, and, it's certainly not as weird as the original Secret of Mana. <laughs> yeah, it's not as off-putting as that, but it is still off-feeling. Yeah, and this one is much more like you press a button and you have an immediate understanding of how that interacted with what you just did. And so it, ironically, it ends up being that this modern 3D remake feels much faster than the original. Because, like, a, a battle will typically end inside of 10... Like, if you're fighting just a chump, the battle's going to end within 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, and so, it, like, uh, it, it did make me curious... Uh, like, the character you play as is not the character that my recent run-through was. He is not, it is not the Beast Man... And in the original Trials of Mana, every time he starts a fight, he has to have a quick animation where he swaps into Beastman mode. And I'm curious 
how that's going to work, because you can swing your sword outside of battle in this one. Hmm. You can also jump, which I don't recall being a thing in Trials of Mana. No, it definitely was not. Yeah, so it gives you a lot more, like, excuse to, like, oh, there's something on that rooftop, let's go look at that. But there, there's a lot of, uh, like, pretty environments to see. Like, it's not, it's not a huge budget game, but as you'd expect from the trailers, it's actually a really nice-looking game. It has good art, it has a good technical mastery of what its budget is. Sweet. Uh, it, the demo takes you from the aforesaid town to about... Uh, it, it skips a little bit here, but it takes you to a quick uh, early boss fight against a crab monster. Uh, that gives you a decent idea of like how the game handles area of effect attacks in a way that's actually really pleasantly readable. So, like, if an enemy is about to do, like, a big attack, you'll get, like, this giant, this cone of bright red that, like, lets you know that's where this attack is going to land. If you don't want to get hit by it, now is your chance to get out of the way. Mm. So it, it feels good in an action game in part because it gives you very good uh, indications of how your actions, what your actions are doing and how they're affecting the game world. So I, I think that, like... It you know it probably won't be my favorite game in the world, much like the original, but I think that it justifies itself better than their prior remakes because it feels like it actually is meaningfully changing and improving the core of the original. So sweet, yeah, I, I think it looks good. I I'm gonna be honest. There's nothing that I spent time with where I thought I don't know about the choices you're making. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's uh, and that that takes us to our last heavy hitter that I can immediately call to mind, which is of course the FF7 remake demo. Yay! Which is the same demo, seemingly the same demo that was shown at E3. Uh, it certainly is covering the same area. It was you fight the newly rechristened Sentinel Scorpion, uh, uh with Barrett. There's. It was it was fun to sort of be able to see how the game works in motion. Like it's one of those things. Like you you always when you look at a demo, you can get a feel for how it works, but you can't really know. Sure. So like, uh, so for example, like when you're not in battle, uh, you can just quickly jump into the menu, kind of in an FF twelve ish manner, where you quickly jump into the battle menu to use like healing spells and items. Uh, you also have the ability to do a quick sword swipe to break environmental objects. Uh, so, like, you know, you're you're never going to not be aware you're playing an action RPG. But uh, the uh, so there's there's some there were some quick uh, short combat encounters that sort of tutorialized the differences between Cloud and Barrett's playstyles. Uh, I guess the way I would describe it is a more tactical take on Kingdom Hearts. Hmm. All right. So, bas so basically, like, what I found was, much like Kingdom Hearts, um, Melee refers to how close, how much you're putting yourself in harm's way in terms of enemy attacks. It's not supposed to feel limiting in terms of how far away, how close, how far away you are when you start your attack. Like, if you start an attack and you're less than 10 feet away from an enemy, Cloud is just going to jet over and start hitting them. 
sort of like how Sora in Kingdom Hearts, when he's properly built up, he will just sort of blast over to another enemy. So you kind of get that sense that, like, the game wants you to not be thinking too much about how you'll get to an enemy so much as what you're going to do when you get there. Uh, so Cloud's your melee fighter. He, moved, he, you know, he's a fairly... The Buster Sword feels heavy, but it doesn't feel slow. It has a lot of uh, visual and sound feedback that makes it clear that you're uh, swinging around a giant, giant piece of metal. <laughs> but it is not... Uh, you're not feeling like you're say, a Dark Souls character wielding a greatsword, where it's like, you have to heave it like an oar. Uh, I, uh, like, Cloud's basic attack seems to be like a five-hit combo. Uh, there were ways to knock enemies up into the air that I could not work out how to do consistently, but it was interesting to notice because Cloud has a distinct set of air combos that I was not able to fully delineate how they worked. But uh, evidently, like, uh, air, air attacks are noteworthy. There is no jump button in the game, though. So if an enemy is high enough in the air, Cloud doesn't really have an option, which is how the game you to switch to Barret for the demo. And Barret, uh, you can tell that, they were, that there was some concern about how his attacks had to work in order to make sure that he wasn't able to just stand there and fire endlessly. So basically after about four or five seconds of sustained fire, he'll let off like a major sort of finisher attack and then sort of cool down for a second before starting again. Uh, and that, that gives a bit more of a rhythm to his combat style that he might not otherwise have because he is, you know, he's shooting a gun. Um, both Cloud and Barrett have dodge rolls. Cloud's is faster it's like it is inherently just better like it's since he has to be in melee his dodge roll has to be better barrett's is almost like a punishment if you got put in a situation where you're using this dodge roll you're not playing Barrett properly because <laughs> uh, like again like this game is nothing like dark souls but this is a useful point of comparison uh barrett feels like he has the fat roll <laughs> like the you're over encumbered Right. I know exactly the kind of role uh, you're talking about. Yeah, where you can sort of feel your shoulder hitting the ground. Right. Because of the kind of sound and visual impact that it makes. Uh, whereas Cloud has a much more like Kingdom Hearts dodge roll style role. Uh, and they both also just, I believe it was R1 is just a guard. Like, it, it's the kind of game where you're going to get hit. There's it, this is not the kind of action RPG where you could f play the entire game and just never get hit. It's just not happening. But you, so the game becomes about positioning and damage mitigation. So like, can you get entirely out of the way of a big attack and how much, and if not, can you at least guard against it and sort of protect yourself to some extent? That's how the guard scorpion ends up working out because it's just constantly firing something or another. You're going to take damage. Uh, but like the, the fight plays out much like it did in the demo with maybe like, it seems to have been maybe scaled back in terms of health to make it a little more, uh, fast paced. But the ATB system is really cool. Like you end up with this interesting because of the way it interacts with the stagger system. So like anyone who played FF 13 remembers the 
stagger system was one of the most interesting things about that combat system, where, like, sustained pressure will cause the enemy to take a lot more damage. But the ATB system is both how you do the most damage, how you stagger the most effectively, and how you heal. You have to, it, It's a push-pull between all three of those, and you have to be careful about how much you're using each of them. Like, if... Uh, if you overuse your ATB to stagger, you can't do as much when the enemy actually is staggered. Like, you can't use uh, braver combo attacks or even, like, magic. Like, the Guard Scorpion's super weak to lightning, just like it was in the original. If you lightning it while it's staggered, it's going to take a ton of damage, but that's going to require you to have kept your ATB gauge up. Uh, it just... It, it sounds... It, when they demo it, it sounds slow and complicated, but when you're actually playing it and when you understand how it works, lightning fast. Like, you have, like, this quick idea of everything that your party can do at any given moment, how much that's going to benefit them, and how quickly they'll be able to do it again. It's, it's really just a lickety-split combat system that sh seems like it's going to have a lot of depth to offer. Sweet. It, it feels so wait. good. There was another. There was another thing I wanted to bring up that, like, I wasn't sure if it showed in the demos that they showed. But there's a bit early on where, so you remember in Final Fantasy VII when you first get there, Cloud, uh, when you're planting the bomb, Cloud gets a headache and the screen just sort of flashes green. You know something is going on, but it's early in the game. You don't know what. In the remake. I mean, they know that you know it's because of things like Mako and Sephiroth's influence. So they did something kind of cute here, where a return player will know exactly what's happening, so they more expl explicate what's going on here. You see one of the black feathers that shows up on the wing of the Sephiroth one-winged angel design just sort of appear on the ground and then dissolve. So it's like, oh, it's Sephiroth exerting his influence, obviously, to anyone who's played it before and who knows, like, the key art for Sephiroth, I mean, obviously. But to a new player, that's mysterious. That raises a lot of questions. So, you know, it's, it's, it was neat. I really liked it. Uh, they, they did some fun things to the scene. Uh, we saw these in the initial demo, but it was nice to see them play out uh, when we, they showed the video. It was nice to see these play out because you've got things like... Uh, Barrett makes clear through his dialogue that he does not trust Cloud in the slightest. Uh, like, he knows he paid a lot of money for a soldier mercenary, an ex-soldier mercenary, and he knows that soldiers have a lot of possible reasons to be loyal to Shinra. He doesn't trust him at all. So when you get to the point where they're placing the bomb, he's like, no, you, you place the bomb. You gotta show that I didn't just waste all. You gotta show that I shouldn't just be attacking you right now because, <laughs> it, like, it, it needs to be clear that you were the one that did this. Uh, so you get that, and then when the Sentinel Scorpion actually shows up, Barrett thinks that Cloud signaled it, so he <laughs> points his gun at Cloud and just declares him a traitor right until he sees that the Sentinel Scorpion is attacking both of them. But yeah, like it's it's really good. They uh, the addition of mid-battle banter feels really good. Like, it, it gives a lot of texture uh, and fits in with the original Sentinel Scorp Guard Scorpion fight, I should say, uh, where you got that infamous misleading hint uh, attack when the tail is 
absolutely don't do that. They have uh, rephrased it in such a way that it's unmistakable what you should be doing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, big, big fan. Uh, demo, of course, ends right after the Sentinel Scorpion fight. Uh, but, you know, if like that, that taste of the battle system shows that what they've got is great and smooth sailing. The, I was, one other thing that really stuck out to me is how good the texture work is in this game. Like, when you zoom in on something like Cloud Sword and you, the Buster Sword, and you can see all of the, like, scrapes and scratches in it that shows that it's been, you know, it's been used heavily, or, like, his, uh, in his shoulder uh, plate that, like, it's a bit rusted and dented and dinged, or you look at the background environments and you can see like, just this pool of Mako. Like, in the original, it wasn't super clear what Mako looked like. And, like, now you can look down, there's just this giant, sickly-looking green pool underneath these, like, these, like, very utilitarian sort of power plant uh, walkways that, like, clearly they aren't badly maintained, but at the same time, it's clear that, like, keeping them looking spick and span was not a priority. They are just... you entirely utility it's it's fantastic it really sells the world nice so yeah big big fan i can't wait to play that damn game why is it out now oh man so pumped Uh, oh man oh it's gonna be great okay we gotta we gotta move on yes yes so uh did you know there was a Nintendo Direct today, Wheels? I did. I was... Oh, what's that music? I just heard... What the... What are you doing? What is that music I hear? Oh, heavens. Oh, it's Overwatch on Switch. Oh, heavens, that's what that noise is. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, obviously, it was uh, leaked well beforehand, but I, I don't care. I'm pumped. Yeah, that there were a couple things that leaked beforehand. Uh, although to varying degrees, Overwatch on Switch was like to the point where Kotaku th- this morning, like we're recording this the night uh, that the direct happened. This morning had le- had written an article that's just like Overwatch is coming to Switch. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even just a, like, well, they released a case, probably. It was like, no, it's coming to Switch. Yeah, it, it, this was but, a, uh, a Jason, uh, I forget how to pronounce his last name. Schreier. Schreier, Schreier yeah. is how I always Yeah, it was an article by him. So when he says, oh, my sources have confirmed this, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, there, there are a few people that I would trust more than Jason Schreier yeah, in that, terms of, like, if he says something exists, it exists. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, so Overwatch, that, you know, that's nice to see. I mean, I'm not a fan, but it's it's good to see it. It looks like a really nice port. Yep. Uh, gyro controls, if that's your thing. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, just, it's retailing for 40 bucks too. I really expected... It's retailing for 40 bucks with three months of Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah, I really expected a uh, $60 price tag from Activision. Yeah, that, I think, is actually a surprisingly shrewd move on their part. Like, they... Oh, because Overwatch is the kind of, kind of the prestige, so it's surprising that they un, that they willingly understood, like, 
this game is like three, four years old. Uh, but yeah, it's still that good though. Like, if, if people are still not so good. Yeah, if, if you're into like competitive shooters, this to me is still like the top of the class, even even three, four years later. But yeah, aside from aside from that, like I admit, I didn't expect much going into this because what they said was that they would be showcasing primarily games coming in 2019 and that they would be uh, specifically talking about Luigi's Mansion 3 and Pokemon Sword and Shield. So all I think was we're going to get 15 minutes of Pokemon, 15 minutes of Luigi's Mansion, and yeah. 10 minutes of, like, here's the here's Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, and we was, got more than that. It was said it was like, here's everything. Here's some things that yeah, are out this right a, now. <laughs> this was a... This was a crazy, crazy thing. Yes. Like, there was something for everyone at this. Like, the, the, I'm trying to, I'm like, even just going. Hmm? Let's just jump around. Like, the, 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 the most surprising one to me was, hey, here's Divinity Original Sin 2 with cross today on Steam. It's out right, right fucking now. What? <laughs> that was, like, I... Was Original Sin One ever on Switch? Because I knew that, no. like, I had heard, I had heard rumors that Original Sin Two might come to Switch, but I wouldn't have expected it to be one of those things that they Saturned. No, I, I, <laughs> I mean, uh, some of the other ones were just like, uh, obviously, oh, you want a release date for the latest Smash Brothers DLC? It's now. It's yep, right now. here's here's Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. More, oh, important, man, more you... importantly, here's San's costume. That's most important. Yeah, here's San's Undertale. Uh, the, oh man, they also did a Goemon me costume that actually, like, a lot of times you get the me costume and it's like it's clearly someone dressed up as blank. Goemon just the, me Goemon just looks like Goemon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's yeah. I, I... Uh, let's see what else. Sans actually is the only Mii Fighter that comes with a musical track. And it's, and it's Megalovania. What the fuck? Great song. I, ah. It's Toby Fox's signature song. But, uh, yeah. Um, so that's happening. We got an announcement of a new Smash uh, Fighter. Yes. Beloved uh, legendary Hungry Wolf, Terry Bogart. Uh, Confirming if you have, the rumors of an SNK character. That those rumors got really intense a few days ago, and the reasoning is that Nintendo UK screwed up and put an SNK copyright under the character pack for. Whoops. <laughs> so the the quick the, it really just became which one. Yeah. And the smart money was basically on Terry Kyo, or like outside. Uh, bets on like Nakaruru or Athena, uh, but yeah, it I ended up being. Hmm? I was just gonna say I really like the choice of Terry, especially because you can do <laughs> Ryu versus Terry. Yeah, it's finally Capcom versus SNK three. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh, the if you haven't seen it and you have any love for like SNK fighting game intros. The carry the Terry character trailer is great, just for all of the stupid nonsense they do with like slight fudging of old SNK intros and character sprite cutscenes. Like 
it does the like KOF 94 intro where Kyo is about to like grasp the thing, but it slips out of his hand. Uh, Ryo from Art of Fighting tries to grab it and misses. It flies off. Uh, Joe and Andy from Fatal Fury both make a grab at it and miss. Uh, Nakaruru sends her hawk after it, misses. Uh, Iori Yagami from KOF uh, tries to grab it, misses, and just does his trademark crazy laugh. And then finally Terry picks it up. And it's it's so beautiful. Oh, I missed the single best one, which is that it floats up to the top of Geese Tower, and Geese tries to grab it and falls off, doing the classic end of Fatal Fury pose where he's falling to his death. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful fan service. Uh, absolutely worth seeing. I have watched it like four times. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But let's let's talk RPGs because there were RPGs to talk about. Yeah, let's talk one of the big ones, which um, we knew a game from this company was coming. We just a little surprised at what it was, um, <laughs> which is a remaster. Is it a remake? Remaster? Re something of Xenoblade Chronicles One. I've seen people reporting that in that brief teaser they saw areas that aren't in the original. <laughs> Okay, so th- it, this could be quite substantial. Yeah. It looks like it's being redone in the Xenoblade 2 engine. Which, that's... Uh, it's a good engine. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I have no complaints. I can't complain about this because I absolutely love that game. But after they also announced Tokyo Mirage Sessions... Since Sharp Epi Encore. Coming to Switch. Yeah, I, I, I'm just... I really... Listen, I want Xenoblade Chronicles X on Switch. Still hoping for it. I still um, think there's a decent chance that it's yeah. happening. Uh, <laughs> uh, very likely, especially with all the things we've seen where uh, Monolith is like gearing up more staff. So they're probably working on lots of different things at this point. But yeah. Yeah. Um, the, this feels like a good uh, project to onboard new staff. As it's the sort of thing where there's a blueprint out and yeah, yeah. you know what it should look like. Yeah. But, I mean, this, this is really a great chance for people to play two, two uh, RPGs that, honestly, a lot of people didn't play. Um, oh, yeah. Probably... More so with Sharp Epi. That game sold like 70,000 copies. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, I imagine that, honestly, probably more people played Xenoblade Chronicles on 3DS than they did on Wii. Yeah, it, which... like the the biggest hurdle that Xenoblade Chronicles was having was that it's art that it had good art direction, but its technical graphics were not aging well. Yeah. Uh, so this this kind of fixes that. Um, the 3DS version was a really impressive port. It's it's still a really impressive port. Uh, it was done by the same company that ported Donkey Kong Country Returns to 3DS, and they did a bang-up job on both of them. I think they're called, like, Monster Studio. Nice. Uh, see if I can find them. Uh, Monster Games. Uh, yeah, Monster Games. Uh, they've had a fairly long, fruitful relationship with Nintendo. They did the, uh, the Excite truck and excite uh, bots like the 
the return of that franchise. Currently, they apparently do a bunch of NASCAR games I've literally never played and never heard of. <laughs> but uh, they're they're a talented studio. Rolling uh, stud. That's yeah, yeah. But yeah, like Sharp FE Encore was one of those things that like whenever I talk to anyone who's played it, it's like please re-release it so more people can play it. What they showed, they they promised some new content. They showed Tiki as like a as a mirage seemingly. So that's interesting. That wasn't there before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That's out in January? Like, that's crazy soon. Yeah. Uh, that will probably be the thing that I use to feel less bad about there being no Persona 5 Royal on Switch for the time being. Because it's not Persona, but it is very much in the same vein. So, it's it's a wonderful RPG. It's from the Radiant Historia team. Uh, well, at least they didn't out- announce... Um... Tokyo Mirage Session Scramble. Oh. <laughs> well, if they had, I'd have already forgotten it happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, both of those, like, I there's a lot of RPGs on Switch. Yeah, yeah, there kind of is. I almost went to buy, buy Divinity 2, and then it was like, when am I going to play this? <laughs> I can, I can still feel yeah. Fire Emblem. I got Dragon Quest coming out uh, in a few weeks. Oh, God, what the hell else is coming out? Uh, Damon X Machina. Astral Chain is our Dragon Quest. The new yeah. version of a game called Dragon Quest. There's a lot of stuff. I haven't even... I bought it, but I haven't even started up um, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Witcher Switch I'll probably end up getting suckered in on. Switcher? Yeah. Oh, I heard that there were Nintendo representatives at the demo calling it Switcher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was just hearsay, though. I can't be for sure. But, like, that was something I had overheard at PAX, and I was like, ha, 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 ha. Because I saw that it was... I think I saw it demoing. I just... Yeah. But I, still I didn't can't, have that. I still can't believe that's real. Like... That, that, that is an insane port for someone to put, to put their money into. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Somehow none of these are... Still none of these are the weirdest thing that got announced. Because the weirdest thing that got announced was Deadly Premonition 2. <laughs> yeah, that that popped up on the screen, and I was just like, "Wait, what? <laughs> really? Like what?" It, that was great to see, though, because the uh, director of the original Deadly Premonition, who, after the direct, confirmed that he is writing and directing this one, uh, is just like over the moon about the fact that he gets to make another one. Like, he keeps, he's tweeted, like, 15 different times how, like, he never thought he'd get the chance to do the, to go back to this world, and it's crazy that it's happening. I, the biggest question about this is, who's funding this? (laughs) (laughs) 
So, like, Deadly Premonition is a cult classic. It has a lot of fans. It was not a success at the time. Uh, you'll note that its original publisher was UTV Ignition. You'll note that they don't publish things anymore. Uh, the, uh, but also the thing that makes it stick out is that it doesn't have any sort of, uh, like, further press releases after the game was announced don't give it any other release platforms. Which you would, like, a lot of times that's what happens when a game gets announced at a Direct. Yeah. Like, you'll get an announcement, and, of course, the Direct's not going to tell you what else it's coming on, but afterwards you'll get a press release that says it's also coming to X, Y, and Z. And, like, that's just normal. No one's clarified what else this might be coming to, which leads me to wonder who's paying for it. Did Nintendo pay for this? Why? Maybe. <laughs> it's possible. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing they've ever paid for. I, I but think, I think maybe they're going, they've gone a bit drunk with power at this point. Listen, if no, <laughs> listen, there's a lot of bad with power. If the worst thing you do when going mad with power is give Swery money to make his crazy sequel to Deadly Premonition... Please go more insane with power. <laughs> Have you Good ever point. gone bat mad without power? It's terrible. No one listens to you. <laughs> but uh, why won't you listen to my pitch of a sequel to Unlimited Saga, sir? <laughs> I'm not sure if you picked up on where I was referencing with that. No. It's it's a one of the best jokes from the Simpsons movie. It's the villain. He just shouts, "Have you ever gone mad without power? It's terrible. No one listens to you." <laughs> Uh, I forgot about that. I haven't seen that movie in a while. Albert Brooks is the best part of it, as he is with many things. Yep. But yeah, like, I remember seeing that announced, and since they didn't say that Swery was working on it, I was immediately concerned, because, like, it wouldn't be a proper sequel if he wasn't working on it. No. It would feel wrong. So the fact that, like, he immediately was like... I. I got. I talked with the PR people. I'm allowed to say it. I'm writing and directing this game, and I'm so happy about it. It's like yes, yes. Did they? Uh, did they announce? We're allowed to uh, talk about this. Deadly Premonition has RPG elements. Uh, uh, they announced the the original was coming to Switch as well, right? Yep, Deadly Premonition Origins, which is out now. Sweet. <laughs> Thirty bucks. Uh, which is still ten bucks more than I paid for it back in the day, but it does have the presumably has the updates from the director's cut, so uh, not too bad. It's also getting a physical release, so nice. So yeah, and we've somehow missed one of the most uh, like long rumored and long hoped for uh, uh, announcements, which was Nintendo Super Nintendo games. Available with your Nintendo Switch Online subscription. Yay! 20, 20 dang games, and a lot of them not ones that you actually see re-released often, if ever. <laughs> About 18 of them are good. I can't believe that you're doing this much just to just to spite Budai. What? What are you talking about? Those two sports games are terrible. I Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I saw someone stumping for Super Tennis, actually. <laughs> I don't really know but what yeah. it is, but whatever. But yeah, there's a uh, there. They it is such a bizarre mix of like things you would actually want and what the hell is this doing here? Uh, because like you get Super Mario World one and two, you get Super Metroid, Star Fox, you get like 
weird obscurity like Stunt Race FX, which is one of those like Super FX games that never ever gets re-released. Wait, did you say Super Mario World Two? Yeah. Yoshi's oh, sweet. Island. Yeah, Yoshi's Island's on oh, there, buddy. I didn't notice that in the list. Sweet. So good. Uh, but then, for some reason, there's just stuff like Bro Brothers. What is that even doing here? <laughs> what is that? That is the second in Jalico's rushing beat Super Nintendo Brawler trilogy. Okay. It's uh, it's sequel was called The Peacekeepers. I forget what the first one's called. It, I like I feel like the original was probably renamed in English, which is why I'm not certain. Uh. Uh, I'm having difficulty finding what the first one was called, but but yeah, you know, it's one of those things like no one went looking for Brawl Brothers. Like no one was like, that's the thing you launch your Super Nintendo thing with. But I appreciate it because it's something that doesn't get re-released. It's something that would never get a proper like individual re-release or a remaster. So, it has a unique value that a lot of these kinds of things don't. Like, you haven't had the chance to play Brawl Brothers a lot. Also, the original, I should say, the first rushing beat game was localized as Rival Turf. Huh. I always forget whether these games are tied in with Hey Punk, Are You Tough Enough? Which is my favorite video game title of all time. Also known in Japan as Dead Dance. <laughs> but Hey Punk, Are You Tough Enough, I believe, maybe, is actually just a fighting game. Uh. Sorry. Long long bit of rambling about obscurities. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it's it's a really eclectic mix, and it has Demon Crest. That's another one that, like, that yeah. never reappears. That's a good game. Yeah. Uh, also, Joe and Mac 2, Lost in the Tropics, sometimes known as Joe and Mac 3. Why? You know what? It's fine. The, it, it depends whatever. upon whether you're counting Congo's Caper as Joan Mac 2 or a spinoff. Gotcha. But yeah, like it's it's a weird collection. And they showcased some other things that uh, they said will be showing up. And I'm trying to remember what they all are because they were in kind of a sizzle reel. But they gave us a list of what it's launching with, and it's 20 games. Uh, so, you know, get your pilot wings. Uh, get your Demon's Crest, get your Super Mario World. There's a, there's a lot to explore, even in just those 20 games. So. Yeah. <sighs> oh, it was it was a crazy direct. Also, you can get a SNES controller for your Switch. Oh, and it looks wonderful. Actually, i got to look in this store for one now, actually. Yeah, I think they're 30 bucks or something. Yeah. But you have to prove that you're a Nintendo Online member. Yeah. But 30 bucks is not bad for a controller like that. No. For a controller that nice. Yeah. Man, what a, what a crazy direct. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we mention they also confirmed more Smash characters after the first five? Uh, I did not see that, so... That's nice yeah, no. Sakurai made clear that, like... There, that there are going to be more characters after the initial fight, the initial five for the fight pass. Nice. He also implied that he wants them to come from new franchises and new companies. So, I, I like that. Yeah. 
here's uh, here's to my hopes springing eternal for Bub and Bob from Bubble Bobble, uh, Travis touchdown, and uh, oh, what's the third one I had? Oh yeah, Kiryu from Yakuza. Man, I can't believe you guys got to escape me yelling about Yakuza Seven. So what you're saying is we're not going to get Waluigi? Probably not. Good. <laughs> oh man, that oh that reminds me of like my favorite uh, tweet I saw in response. There were a lot of good like jokes made in response to this uh, in response to this direct. But my favorite might have been: It appears that Ninten- Nintendo's strategy of releasing everything on Switch but Mother Three and putting everyone in Smash, but Waluigi is continuing to work for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh man, what a crazy lot of news. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to bring up? Uh, uh, it's like going over this, seeing if I can see if there's anything we missed. Uh, moon? Moon! <laughs> oh, man! I still this don't even not, know what it is. This was not even part of the Direct, at least not in English. I think it might have been part of the Direct in Japan. But basically, so there's a... There's a Okay, Moon Remix RPG was a very trippy, like, anti-RPG made by a strange little company called Love Delic. Uh, Love Delic does not exist anymore. They haven't existed in, like, 20 years. Uh, they were uh, the creators of Moon Remix RPG, LOL Lack of Love. They diasporated into, like, five different... Uh, companies that make just absolutely some of the craziest games imaginable. Skip, Punchline. Uh, Skip is probably the most well-known. They made the art style games on the DS. Uh, they made Captain Rainbow. Uh, they made Chibi Robo. Uh, like, they were... Uh, like... The, the remnants of Love to Leak have made a lot of those games where you find out something, you hear about something completely insane, and it's a. And it turns out to have been them. Uh, <laughs> like. Uh, they really, yeah, they, uh, they did Gift Pia, which you might recall if you remember obscure uh, Japan only uh, GameCube RPGs. Gift Pia was one of those ones that's just like, what? the hell is this um punchline did uh punchline one of the other spin-offs of love the leak did tulip which was the weird ps2 kissing rpg uh so yeah like crazy is kind of their thing uh moon remix rpg adventure has been a white whale of fan translation for decades it is incredibly difficult to translate it is a technical mess under the hood by all accounts. And there have been at least like three or four attempts to fan translate that have all died partway through. Yikes. Uh, and right after the direct, the Japanese company that announced Moon Remix RPG announced, oh, and it will be coming out in English for the first time. <laughs> Just via tweet, via Twitter. Like this, this, hammered their poor website so hard that by the time I saw the link, it was just giving, like, spitting out horrible, grotesque errors. (laughs) Like, 
no one was expecting anything like that to be announced anytime soon. It's crazy that it happened. Oh, man. Oh, man. Moon. We'll we'll have uh, Gaijin discuss a bit more about Moon. Yeah. Because he, he knows it better. I'm looking but, forward to hearing about that. Yeah, I think he I think we've discussed it a bit before, but it would have been years ago at this stage. Uh, but suffice to say, when he uh, saw that, the first reaction I saw from him was basically, well, I guess I have even less of an excuse not to get a Switch now. So, <laughs> it's a weird game. No one had any right to expect it would ever come back, and especially not that it would come back with an English release in tow. So... Oh, man. There's a couple other things that only showed up in the Japanese Direct that I think are worth running down briefly. Uh, Dragon Quests 1 through 3 on Switch in Japan. Presumably those will come to the U.S. eventually, but... Hopefully. They didn't announce them at the Direct. Uh, presumably they're waiting until after Dragon Quest 11 or something. But, uh... Dragon Quest 1 through 3. Uh, they seem to be based on the cell phone versions, which have excellent high-quality English translations right now. Uh... And they look very nice. Uh, they're original. Like, the art for them is based on the Super Famicom ports. So they look very nice. Uh, they look very in line with the 2D mode of Dragon Quest XI. Sweet. Coming soon to your Nintendo Switch. And the last major piece of news that was the Japanese Direct only was Famicom Detective Club Remake. So Famicom Detective Club was, I believe this was primarily distributed on the Famicom disk system, but it was a sort of uh, Japanese-style adventure game that was, you know, it was a you know, mystery game. And they never, ever released this in English officially. It just never happened. Uh, it, like, there's not a lot, like, there are fan translations, I believe, of the Super Nintendo remake, but... Uh, yeah, let's see. Known in Japan as Famicom Tante Club, uh, Kieta Kokesha. And yeah, it was released as two installments, essentially. Like, they were... Uh, like, Famicom Detective One Club Part 1, which was, you know, one disc, and then you, would, you bought a second disc a couple months later that concluded things. Uh, they were the work of Gunpei Yokoi, uh... And, yeah, uh, the original is seemingly reasonably well-liked. Uh, but, yeah, they, I think this kind of thing, part of the reason we probably didn't see it is that this was considered a harder sell in English. There's no, obviously, no real nostalgia for it. Uh, uh, and, I mean, obviously, it is a fairly sedate sort of adventure game so difficult to tell whether we'll see that i really hope we do it's an interesting piece of nintendo's history uh there are naturally a finite number of games directed by gunpei yokoi out there so it's an important piece of their history that we have still never seen in english in part because you know obviously they in the time that they would be re-releasing these uh the game just never came out on like it was it was just being re-released on virtual console they weren't going to retranslate it for that but 
Yeah. Um, so th that'd be nice. Apparently the remake is of both one and two, hmm. which is to say not of the first two parts, but there were in fact two Famicom Detective Club games that were both released in parts. Huh. Uh, but yeah, this will apparently be a remake of both of them. So uh, I'm interested. I hope we get this, uh, but I would not call it a done deal. Unlike some of the other things uh, here. Uh, but yeah, really exciting direct. A lot of very interesting things that uh, I don't think anyone had a reasonable right to expect. Nope. So, yeah. Uh, I think that wraps up everything I have. I'm fried and I have to go back to writing impressions. Alright, I will let you get back to it then. Uh, so yeah, we will see you all next week with... Um uh, normal time, normal cast. Uh, uh, and plenty and plenty of questions ourselves to ask Mr. Baker about uh, about Moon Remix RPG Adventure. Yes. That's for sure. <laughs> Alright. Uh, leave us questions in the normal places and see you, Space Cowboys. Yeah.